Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 77 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my East Coast co-host homies are up to. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader, how was your week? Pretty good. I had a, I had a fun weekend, got to hang out with some people I don't see very often. Uh, so far, the week has been good. Been, good deal. Uh, yeah, just chilling. Your, your December has been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the all of the like October was terrible, and uh, November still had like no- November was colored with like the all all of all of everything that goes into like recovering from the terribleness of October. <laughs> and now now we've like leveled sure. out with December. December is like it's chill. It's it what is pretty I, chill. It's so what far. I want things to be. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I picture winter-ish time in my head, this is what I envision me too i someone asked me like last weekend what the official first day of winter is and i was like is it december 21st is it the solstice like uh-huh. are we I not so. actually in winter yet uh-uh. turns out that's true that is correct we're this, in the fall the this is season what i picture when i imagine chill winters but it's not same not here winter yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for that. Uh, next up is our resident PDH, PhD, Liam. How's your December? My December is very, very chaotic so far. Oh, that's Children the opposite of what we want. don't want to be at school. It makes it very hard <laughs> to do my job. True. It's very chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sounds like it. That, that's about it. You need to get on the, uh, on the chill December train with the rest of us here. I would love to. Let me know when it's stopping over here. <laughs> sounds like it missed me. Choo choo. Yeah, sounds like it just blew right past your stop. Yeah, I don't blame it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, we're gonna move on to the main topic here in a How second. We're gonna week? do some housekeeping. Oh, uh, my week. My <laughs> week is um, good. Kind of like old man, like frustrating. Because like personally, it was a good week. Like. Work was fine. Home life was fine. Yada, yada, yada. Working on stuff. Played some PDH. All the good stuff. It's been chill. The weather's been decent. But, like, I've just had a run. Like, in the last eight or nine days, we've had a run of, like, everything we buy from these various stores and places just falls apart. Like, I don't know what we're paying for anymore. Like, And I don't remember a time when it was really like that before. But, like, we buy lettuce and half of it's rotten or we buy a tool and we get it home and it breaks so we buy this and it falls apart like i don't know it's just we've had a terrible luck with being consumers lately but oh no <sighs> yeah it's nothing like crazy it's not like cars and houses but it's just like little things like quality of life purchases that end up when you get them home they fall apart so it's like made your quality of life more annoying somehow but even though they're supposed to make it better that sounds like a terrible time I'm sorry you're dealing with that. That's okay. It's frustrating, but, you know, what are you going to do, I guess? Uh, cool. Com- yeah, complain about been... it on your podcast. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's why That's why I started the podcast. I was just waiting for yeah. an episode for a time that I could complain about being a consumer. Seven, 77 episodes in. A year and a half later, we got there. Yep. We found we it. We got there. 
And that's a wrap, everybody. Uh, we had a good run. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yep. Yeah, Mission accomplished. See you later. <laughs> Uh, let's do some housekeeping first before we uh, call it quits forever. Uh, if you like the show and you like what we're doing here before we f- call it quits forever, considering consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually a uh, short recording of us catching up for the week, kind of like a, a little mini episode, if you will. We had some uh, CCG talk this week, some other kind of... Uh, talk i already forgot what we talked about oh we talked about old sets dragons that sort of thing all kinds of old school mtg old school foils all that good stuff uh you also get early access to the episode before it goes live usually the night before i post it with the show notes so you can kind of follow along with what we're talking about and then uh finally you get access to the pdh pod discord server where you can chat with the crew get help with your decks uh talk about spoilers talk about previews all that kind of good stuff and i do want to give a big new patron shout out to omega bison welcome to the pdh pod family We're glad to have you uh, it's been good chatting with you so far. You've already uh, gotten some help with your decks and uh, made yourself right at home, which is amazing. So lastly, here on the housekeeping list, uh, check out the YouTube channel and the Twitch channel. We're just the PDH pod on both of those platforms. Uh, the former is where I'm trying to add more content, but the latter is where I stream PDH uh, via spell table every single Saturday, sometimes twice a week, but usually, if nothing else, it's every Saturday evening starting at about 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, I think that cleans the house pretty well. Liam, you got anything for this week in Magic? Uh, I do. This was a bit of an eventful week, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. The we we got our first look at uh, the motors at Karlov Manor, which includes a first look at the Magic Clue edition, which is even more confusing, despite the fact that we <laughs> yeah, got yeah. details for it. <laughs> it uh-huh. it's I, it's supposed to be a jump start ish product with like new cards actually themed around clue but like the shocklands i don't know who knows <laughs> but they're shocklands yeah who yeah. knows <laughs> uh, and then we also got uh the first story episode for mars karlov manor uh and the rest will follow in the new year in addition to first look at motos we got uh, a bnr announcement that was pretty Pretty sweeping across a lot of formats, including 60 Card Papa, where they got rid of Monster yeah. Swift Spear. It's certainly did after like it was only in the format for like two weeks, and they already got rid of it. I mean, if two weeks is equal to 16 <laughs> months, then sure. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's been tearing across that format for over a year, even though it does not feel like it. No, it really doesn't. That's wild. There's, there's a new arena format called Timeless. I'm not really going to go much into that because it it sounds like garbage. You can hear me talk about it during the pre-show. Yeah, the link's <laughs> in there. There's an infographic. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was apparently another new art problem. Phyrexian Archivist from March of the Machines, like a set in January, uh, apparently uh-huh. had a, a mis-accreditation accreditation, accreditation? Uh, on it. Uh, printed in all languages, but the artist proofs, as well as all digital versions, will have the correct artist printed on it. I don't. Oh, I okay. don't, Good deal. I don't know how they're catching this now when the card is like ten months old. That's typically something they catch like before it goes out. You would think so, yeah. Like, I mean, we we have plenty of cards from recent Magic history that just have the wrong artist printed on it. Like, it happens. But like, typically yeah, they yeah. catch it like before the set goes out, or like within a couple, like a week or two. But like this is mm-hmm. like ten months later. Like, 
Yeah, it's almost a full How, year for sure. Why are they catching it now? Is my question. <laughs> I don't understand. But whatever, it it happens. I mean, it sucks for the artist, but at least the artist proofs are going to be correct because there are some artists where like they received the proofs, but it doesn't have their name on it. So right. at, at least this artist is getting the correct proofs. I just, that that's it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, with Murder at Karlov Manor, is that a that's a standard set, correct? That is a standard set. Yes. So it's a full size set. For some reason, in my head, I keep thinking it's a small. Like, is there a small set coming out next year? Have I confused this with something else? Uh, like I think a you've mini confused set it with almost. Else. I okay. mean, there's the there's the clue set. Like like the maybe the, that's what I'm thinking of. The set code MKM Murder at Karlov Manor is legal and standard. The set code CLU for Clue, is the box product that's releasing alongside it, like, two weeks after. Yeah, that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And then there's also, like, Ravnica Remastered, which comes out, like, a month before this. It, it It's all just Ravnica for January, February. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Winter of Ravnica, for sure. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for that. Let's hop into the main topic here. Um, I was looking at it earlier today, and we have about, I think this included Silver Border cards, but we have over 9,000 commons that are available in our format. It is unreasonable to think that anyone can remember every single one of them, except for maybe Dave and possibly Sniffow. Uh, so we're here this week to go over some of our favorite underrated and totally obscure cards throughout the history of Magic the Gathering, or as far as we got in our Scryfall searches. Uh, these aren't going to be super like secret tech to take down your next tournament. They're not really like silver bullet cards, and they're most likely not going to be meta busters. Like we're not really uh, in that CPDH game with this episode. Uh, we're just going to try to narrow it down into a pile that we think are just just neat, you know, Marge Simpson neat, if you will. Uh, disclaimer, we have a ton of really creative brewers in the PDH community, so I doubt that we're going to talk about cards that literally nobody has heard of. So don't add us if we miss a pet card or two. Uh, but I think we need a little bit of criteria. Basically, this list of cards is stuff that we, as a as a crew here, me, Dave, and Liam, that we thought were fun enough or good enough to warrant more play than they're actually getting currently or than we actually see currently. Um, but maybe that's just because the uh, PDH community as a whole at large needs to be schooled on them. So let's do some schooling. Let's uh, go in Wooberg order here. And uh, Dave, do you want to start us off with something spicy? I would love to start you out with something spicy. Uh, the, the, the most important white cards that I think deserve mention here are going to be things that are really, really good at preventing damage to your face. Yes. Uh, I think the one of these that is probably more well-known and probably sees a decent amount of play is Righteous Aura. Righteous Aura is a two-mana enchantment that allows you to pay one white mana and two life to prevent all damage to you from any one source. Seems good. Uh, yeah, if, if someone is attacking you with a 16-power Voltron Commander... You can just, <laughs> you just two life instead take of two. taking that damage. Yeah. If you're facing if lethal, I'd rather pay two life. If their 16 power Voltron commander has hexproof, Righteous Aura doesn't care. Doesn't it's care. not targeting the thing. Nope. You it, just point at it. Any you go one that source. One. Any one source. Not not target source. Any one source. Uh, yeah, totally blanks all of that. Now, I did have, with this specific card, I looked at it. I forgot what I was trying to build over the summer. And I was going to put this card in there, and then I ended up maybe taking it out. I don't even know if I built the deck in paper. It was something I was theorizing. With the white and pay two life, prevent all damage from any one source, does that... 
Is that all day? So if you're facing down a... Uh, it only stops one activation of Pestilence. One activation of Pestilence. What about uh, Reckless Fireweaver? Those sort of like pingers. It will st- each, each activation of Righteous Aura will stop the next trigger from uh, Reckless Fireweaver. So it's not all the damage that that source would deal for the turn. Right. It's not... Okay, that's where it, I got yeah, hit. Yeah, it is not, it's not up. a turn-wide blanket. It is it is one instance of damage. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's where I got tripped up. I, I think I think probably the uh, yeah the the uh, so yeah when I read the card I was reading the original visions printing. Mm-hmm. The oracle time is the next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. Yep. Yeah. So it's it only stops one one pestilence activation, one reckless fire reaver trigger. Sweet. The other card I want. Yeah. The other card I want to talk about as a white damage prevention. I know Sniffhouse is going to come for me. Uh, <laughs> I think these cards are really interesting ways to prevent damage. So yeah. forgive me. Um, it's called Gossamer Chains. This is also a two mana enchantment. Also from Visions. This one has the ability you can return it to your hand. Target unblocked creature deals no combat damage this turn. It's so good. It's better than it reads. It's so repeatable. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've got something like Seder Enchanter that cares about you casting it again, or heck, the Aether Enchanter, Aether Mage Furia. deck I just built. Yeah, Furia. Aether Mage. Mm. Yep. Yeah, like bouncing this to your hand, the repeatability of that is outstanding. Yep. And it just it blanks Voltron. This one does target, so it will get stopped by Hexproof or Correct. Shroud. Yeah. But it's also. It's really hard to stop. Yeah, it, like it's once yeah, once the gossamer chains happens, it's hard. It's hard to make that stop happening. Yeah, you got to have a counterspell or a disenchant or what have you. Well, it's yeah, you. It's a. It's a little different from broken fall. Like once broken fall happens, anyone tries to kill broken fall, and you can just return it to your hand as a cost for a generated creature. Gossamer chains is a little more limiting in that, like, there has to be an unblocked creature target in order for you to activate that thing right so if someone tries to kill it like during your upkeep there aren't any unblocked creatures during your upkeep so you can't just bounce it to your hand to save it from the disenchant yeah uh but it's still just like really hard to deal with yeah most most decks aren't aren't prepared for this sort of thing yeah yeah yeah. it's hard for a lot Uh, of decks to destroy enchantments so they're probably going to bounce it and you just recast it. Like, <laughs> okay. like that's where I was going. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's my first pick for white is both Gossamer Chains and Righteous Aura. Awesome. Uh, what, uh, scroll down here. Liam, what do you got for white? Uh, I got a couple different things, but I am going to start off with Marshalling Cry. Mm, so good one. Marshalling Cry is a sorcery for one white white. Uh, creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain vigilance until end of turn. It has flashback for three and a white, and it has cycling for two generic. Yep. So this card is just bonkers all around. It's good in go wide strategies. It's good in uh, token strategies, which can overlap, but can also be different from go wide. It you know you get double use out of it, both in the fact that you could cast it twice, or you could cycle it and then cast it with flashback. And if you happen to be doing like a, a red white or blue white nonsense you could probably cast it more than twice uh it's it's (laughs) a great card uh plus one plus one is underrated in the format in general but then also giving the team vigilance 
is is relevant when there's enough bodies. Yeah, definitely. Yep, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, do you want to Mushroom go? Cry is huge. Yeah, it is huge, and it's it's so versatile. Mm-hmm. It can be the double buff. It can be a card draw and a buff. I love I love having options with my mono white aggressive cards. Yeah, like yes. you don't. You know, this is a very specific scenario, but like you don't feel bad discarding it to siphon mind. You don't, yeah. you know, you just don't feel bad if it gets milled or whatever. You're like, okay, cool. I still get one use out of it. I don't feel bad discarding it to Amber to make oh, yeah. three. Sure. Yep. Awesome. Uh, I'll give a white card here. Um, uh, first one, I only have like three of them because we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show, like. I play so many white decks in PDH and I played so many white decks in 60 card popper and you know, everything else. Like there wasn't a lot of white cards I came across that seemed interesting enough that I thought were, were obscure enough to go on the list. And then I sort of like had the realization that like, maybe that's just me. Like not, not everybody has probably tried to build around 90% of the white commons in the format. Like maybe that's just me. So I probably should have more white on this list, but uh, I only have three for now. I'm sure I could add to it if I had time, but I'll go with my first one here. And this is one I've actually loved for a long time. This is Gideon's Sacrifice. Uh, it's an instant for a single white. You choose a creature or planeswalker. You control all damage that would be dealt to you and permanent you control this turn is dealt to the chosen permanent instead. Like that's just a single mana way to redirect uh, all damage that would be dealt to you this turn. Like, yeah. And it's not like, the next time your commander deals damage to me, it's like all the damage, right? All the damage for that turn goes to this token or, you know, what have you. Well, all the damage from like one event, because like if the token dies, like if, if someone is attacking you with a big double striker, oh, I see the first saying. strike damage will kill the token and then it can't be redirected after that. So the normal damage will still go to your face. So if you had like an indestructible if, creature on board. Right. There we go. Or if someone is someone's attacking you with like you know 10 different 4-4 tramplers you can send all 40 of that damage to a token and sure. it'll die yep but if one of those guys has first strike then then, take, then you're in trouble take take the four first strike and send the other 36 <laughs> to the token yeah play that play that after first strike hold damage. priority after first strike yep yes yep. but no i've always been a big fan of this card it doesn't i don't know i've, I've never like got them i've never gotten anybody with this card like it's never like saved my butt but i think the design is really cool i think it's very uh could definitely have its niche uh spots in particular decks or particular metas for that matter you know if you're in a big fireball meta or a big 40 40 trampling meta maybe this is uh good for you if you're in a coal yeah. hollow swine meta yeah, if you're in the Cole Hollers Wine meta, fire it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, incredible. Incredible. All right. Uh, you got any more white cards for us, Dave? I have a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I would like, to, speaking of uh, just really weird damage redirection, uh-huh. like cards that are narrow but really effective, I want to tell you about Hallow. Mm-hmm. Hallow is a one-mana white instant. That says, prevent all damage, target spell would deal this turn, you gain life equal to the damage prevented this way. Yes. The, Love it. The sort of, as as you're reading this, the, the, the really useful interpretation of this is like when someone hits the breath weapon or the fiery cannonade, and it's going to deal two damage to every creature. Yep. 
you can save your entire board and gain, like, I don't know, 20, 30 life. Uh-huh. For a single white mana. For a single white mana and a card from hand. Yep. You could target a coal hauler swine <laughs> if that coal hauler swine is on the stack. And uh, for the rest of this turn, when the coal hauler swine stops being a spell and starts being a permanent, this effect will persist attached to that card for the rest of the turn. Yes. Uh, so, Whoa. Uh, wait, wait. What? Yeah. You can, like, if, if you catch, like, Coal Hauler Swine's not a great example because, like, if someone's got the lightning bolt, if someone plays the swine and has the lightning bolt, they're just going to pass the turn so that this effect ends and then they'll bolt it on someone else's turn. Sure, but, like, sure, sure, sure. The, I guess the, the better example here is, like, ball lightning. Okay. If someone casts a ball lightning, while it is on the stack, you can target it with Hallow. When the spell ball lightning becomes the creature ball lightning, Hallow still applies to it that turn. So when it attacks and tries to deal six damage to something, you get to prevent that six damage and gain six life. And then at the end of turn, ball lightning is sacrificed. So Hallow can completely blank a ball lightning. Yep. Wow. All right. Makes like the had no idea. The really interesting examples in PDH are you can target crypt rats and pestilence if they're on the stack. So if someone has a master plan that involves casting a crypt rats and then activating it that turn, that same turn, you can shut it down. That's not that doesn't happen very often. So lots of times people are very happy to activate crypt rats later. <laughs> yeah. But I mean like the the cool thing is like if you this is this is really resource intensive, but if you have the hallow and instant speed removal you can catch the Crypt Rats with the Hallow while it's on the stack. And then that's that's incentive for someone to not activate it this mm -hmm. turn. And then you kill it <laughs> this turn. <laughs> so it's it's a really weird convoluted thing, but I think it's cool. I think it's just really fun to like do weird stuff with Hallow and how Hallow works. That is crazy. It's, it's goofy. Crazy. Craziness. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. You yeah. can catch Pestilence in the same way. Yeah. But yeah, mostly it's for Evancar's Justice, Sulphur's Blast, Breath yeah. Weapon, that sort of thing. Yep. One of the red cards that I'm going to talk about... Hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the red cards I'm going to talk about, Bloodfire Infusion. God, I love that. It was almost on to, my list, yep. I had to look it up. Bloodfire Infusion is what do deals the damage, not the creature. Right. So, uh, yeah, you could catch a Bloodfire Infusion with a Hallow. <laughs> yeah, just I weird had, stuff. If it wasn't for this podcast, I would have had no idea that that's how the card worked. Yeah, I I didn't know that until very recently. Like I, I just thought uh, a spell was always a spell until it became a permanent, and then it was the permanent. And like, I didn't realize anything on, they were connected. It, yes, the spell becomes the permanent, and uh, Hallow <laughs> tracks that. Right, but it doesn't like cease become being a spell. Yeah. I mean, it does, but not as far as Hallow is yeah. concerned. Yeah, yeah. Hallow yes, Hall tracks the card, God, no matter crazy. what state Through that the card one is zone in. change. Wow. Well, if the if the creature dies, if you if you sacrifice ball lightning and then unearth ball lightning, then Hallow is gone. Right, yeah. because it's a new object. It won't it, w it won't track it across other zone changes. Sure. But Hallow tracks across that one zone change. Wow! If you target a permanent spell, Hallow will Hallow will track the permanent that it becomes, which is wild. That is super wild. Like... Yeah. The other two cards I want to mention really briefly. Sure. One is Survival Cash. Uh, three mana, gain two life. 
if you don't have the lowest life draw card yep. and rebound, this I think is white divination. A lot of mono white decks struggle with card draw, yeah. and a lot of mono white decks run survival cash. Uh, Skycryer is my other quick pick for this. It is a two mana one one flying life link. So, decent body on its own, mm -hmm. with the ability for four mana, you and target opponent each draw a card. Yep. Seems like kind of an expensive drawback for drawing a card. I think it's nothing but gas, because if you're if you're that desperate for a card, it's because there's someone is threatening you. Yes. And you and that guy's other opponent can both try to draw answers. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, Skycryer is all kinds of all kinds of gasoline. Yep. And it's a bird. I'm gonna, so it goes in those decks. It's a bird. Yep. I'm gonna bird. I'm gonna check out a white. You guys you guys finish off the white. All right, what do you got, Liam? All right, so I'm gonna continue on that uh, discussion about damage prevention. Sweet. I really like Dawn Trum. Dawn Trum is an instant for one and a white. You choose one. Prevent all combat damage would be that would be dealt this turn. Regenerate target creature or counter target spell that targets you. So yep. you get a fog, or you get to save something uh, that's maybe being targeted by a lightning bolt, or if you are the target of the lightning bolt, you can counter it. So just damage prevention all around, all in the flavor of white. It is fantastic. In addition to white, I really like Soltari Visionary. This is a cleric creature that is one white white for a 2-2. It has shadow, and if it damages a player, it destroys target dog that player controls. <laughs> Repeatedly. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Destroys target enchantment that player controls. It just so happens that the dog might be an enchantment. <laughs> so far, 100% of the time, it has been. So far. This guy's, this guy's so confident that I'm not going to show up at his house. <laughs> <laughs> so confident. Uh, uh, yeah. Another Mono White Shenanigans card is Court Street Denizen. For uh, two and a white, you get a 2-2 human soldier. Uh, whenever another white creature enters under your control, tap target creature and opponent controls. Uh, this card has won me so many games and oh, token yeah. decks mm -hmm. where I slam the Denizen and then create like three or four tokens. And don't get me wrong, those tokens aren't attacking that ton, but each one of those tokens lets me tap down an opponent's creature, which is tapping down a blocker. Yeah, and it's not those a... Tokens are attacking this turn if they came from veteran soldier. Ah, this is true. There you go. And it's not a cast trigger. Like they just have to enter the battlefield. They just have to enter. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So yeah. good. It's so good. Yeah. And my final white card that I want to talk about is Lunar Mantle. Mm -hmm. This is a card from Eldritch Moon. Uh, it is an aura that costs you one and a white. It enchants a creature. Uh, it doesn't have to be a creature you control, but that's what I recommend. Yeah, uh, probably. The enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has the ability of one generic mana and sacrifice a permanent. The creature gains flying until end of turn. This is clearly a card that was designed for a very specific limited environment mm -hmm. that is just randomly bonkers outside of that. Like, the, the, the plus two, plus two isn't too terribly amazing. Frequently, all that's really doing is, like, getting stuff out of bolt range. Sure. But... The ability to just sacrifice a permanent to give something flying can be oddly relevant in a lot of decks. Yeah, it's, you could do it at instant speed. Like You could do it at instant yeah. speed. So like it gives you a blocker for a big flying creature. Mm -hmm. Or it gets your attacker over a wall of ground creatures. Yep. I don't even care about the flying. I just... I love Lunark Mantle because or, it is the only... Sacrifice a permanent outlet we have in. I would say, or That's it's a, a sacrifice a 
permanent outlet. Yeah. Like, like it's this is the only way you get to sacrifice enchantments. Right. It's it's yeah. lands. so strangely specific, but it's also like it's got a myriad of applications. And I I'm gonna sorry, sorry, go ahead. You keep going because like the, I'm this cut is just insane. I'm I'm gonna cycle back to this later when we when we get to the miscellaneous category of cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my Nori cut deck runs all three aura tutors. The Pilgrim, the Antelope, and the Shrine Steward. Yeah. I run those three because I am desperate to get Lunark Mantle. <laughs> like, oh, I yeah, was flying, thinking of uh... Lunark Mantle when I put... I don't even... No, I don't care about the flying. Oh, okay. I just need a sack outlet. I need I need a reliable way to sacrifice enchantments. Okay. And, so, and Lunark for Mantle. The, uh, for the recast ability uh, in that deck? or I'll, In that deck, it's because I am... Really abusing O-ring shenanigans. Ah, there we go. Do we do we need to talk about the O-ring gimmick, the O-ring glitch? Let's talk about the O-ring sure, glitch. Let's do it. So Oblivion Ring has two triggered abilities. Yes. It is a three mana enchantment that has a enters the battlefield ability and a leaves the battlefield ability, and those are separate abilities. Yep. They are linked because they both reference the same card, but they are separate triggers. Yep. Newer cards that do this don't have that. The newer templating on this kind of card says exile a thing until this leaves the battlefield. Yes. Which means... It's all connected. If if the permanent that is doing the... Like Chains of Custody has this exile until something leaves the battlefield. Yeah. If Chains of Custody comes into into play and it's it's entered the battlefield effect, is put onto the stack, it gets a target, it's going to try to exile something. If Chains of Custody gets destroyed or bounced or leaves the battlefield before that resolves, nothing ever gets exiled for any amount of time. Yep. The duration ended before it started, so nothing leaves play. Nothing else goes on the stack. Right. O-Ring doesn't work like that, because O-Ring has two different triggered abilities. When it enters the battlefield, it is going to target some creature, some permanent, to be exiled. And when it leaves the battlefield... There's a separate ability that goes on the stack that returns that thing to play. Mm-hmm. That means if you play O-Ring, choose your target, sacrifice O-Ring to Lunark Mantle before the ability resolves, then the Leaves the Battlefield trigger goes on the stack on top. So the Leaves the Battlefield trigger will try to resolve. It will return nothing to play because nothing has been exiled. Right. And then <laughs> the Enters the Battlefield ability will resolve and exile a permanent forever. Forever. Yep. And that is why Heiko needs instant speed sack outlets. Yep. <laughs> so that I can sacrifice O-Ring with its ETB. And the, the same is true for Journey to Nowhere. Journey to Nowhere has the same templating. There's a blue Fa- one that does Faceless this Butcher is the same thing. Yep. Faceless Butcher is the same. Icy Prison is the blue one from Ice Age. All of these have the same like old templating that lets you abuse this trick. Yep. And Norika is especially bad at it because after she sacrifices the O-Ring, she can just recast the O-Ring mm-hmm. from the graveyard. Every turn, forever. So forever uh, without stopping. That is why I desperately need to tutor Lunark Mantle. Yep, understood. Thank you for the interruption, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got right. for us? Anything else in white? Uh no, that's actually all I got in white. Cool. Uh, I've got just two more, I think. Yeah, I got one that's probably more of a, a me personally a pet card than I think. Uh, I don't recommend a ton of people play it, and it's probably not super good. But that's Wall of Hope. It's a single mana for an O3 uh, white creature wall. Walls can't attack, of course. Uh, whenever Wall of Hope is dealt damage, you gain that much life. That's it. That's all the text on the card. I think it's interesting. I think it's funny. 
that's really about it. I, I just love it. It's old school magic at its best in mono white, and, and I'm a fan of it. I don't even play I the card that disgusting. much, but it's exactly, and that's why I love it because it disgusts other people. Uh, my last white card here. This is one that I've lost to in a very specific deck a couple times, and it sort of has been on my radar ever since. It is uh, Kabuto Moth. Uh, Kabuto Moth. It's a three mana, one two spirit flying, and you can tap it to give target creature plus one plus two till the end of turn. It's not a crazy, amazing like stat line or ability or anything like that, but. I just, I've lost to this card at least twice playing against Lulu decks. And it's obnoxious. Like, it just <laughs> does the thing you want to do all the time. And it just grows bigger and bigger. And it's just, it's crazy. So, and I've seen, I, I've theorized. think about Lulu. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I first was introduced to this card. And then subsequently lost to it on two different occasions playing against Lulu. It's wild. So yeah, I, I've theorized applications in other decks with this card, but I don't know that there's a home that's any better than Lulu. So uh, as far as I know, that's its permanent home, but Lulu it's just good. It it's an overall good good card. Yep. Yeah, it's super good in Lulu. Uh, let's move on to Blue. What do you got for us, Dave? Start us off. Give us a couple. Yeah. My favorite underplayed Blue cards are, uh, is Vanishing. Vanishing okay. is a one mana Blue Aura. Uh-huh. That allows you to spend two blue mana to phase out the enchanted creature. Mm -hmm. This is really critically important because the the big flaw with auras is that the, you risk getting two for one. Right. This aura protects itself. If someone tries to merc the aura, you can phase out the creature in response. When the creature phases out, everything attached to it also phases out. So vanishing just goes away. Right. So it's really hard to kill. Vanishing is one way to get uh, commanders off the field. Like, I hate Oubliette because it's just, like, so hard to get out from under. Vanishing is not as oppressive, right. so I, I have a lot more tolerance for it. If you want to, like, keep someone's commander locked down for a while, you have to spend that two blue mana a lot, and you can still sacrifice out from under the Vanishing. Like, you can't... If someone sacrifices it as a cost, you can't, like, respond to that by trying to phase it out. It's already gone. Right. So, it's a lot less oppressive, but still very powerful. Mm-hmm. And you can also use it to, like, you can put it on your own creature just to have this, like, infinite blocker, mm -hmm. right? Like, yep. you block something and then phase it, phase out before damage to keep your guy alive. You can just put it on as, like, a protection piece to so that you can phase out your, your commander if someone tries to bolt it. Yeah. You can, it's way more versatile and powerful than I think a lot of people give it credit for. Mm -hmm. I agree. It almost ended up on my blue list. Yep. For those same reasons. Great minds. Yeah. What does Liam got for us in blue? In blue, I have a card that's actually been seeing a little bit of a, I don't want to say a resurgence, but a little bit of a uh, an uptick recently in like the EDH sphere, and I think it's time for to see that same uptick in PDH. Uh, it is Keep Watch. So for two and a blue, you get an instant that says draw a card for each attacking creature. Uh, so maybe you have played out your hand and you have an empty hand because you're playing some like blue X aggro deck, and you're swinging out. Well, this is a good way to refill your hand. Or maybe you have an opponent who is swinging at you, and you're looking for an answer. Well, you could do this in response to their attack. Yep. Or even better, you have an opponent that's swinging all of their tokens at a different opponent, <laughs> and you just want to benefit from this. Yep. Thanks for the cards. Yep. Like, like this card is, is so good. It 
three mana frequently drawing you five to ten cards. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think... I don't play this in a ton of decks, although it's super powerful. I don't think I've drawn less than three cards off this ever. Yeah. Ever. Like, I, it, as long as you're drawing three to four cards minimum, like, I think it's a, it's a safe card to be playing. Absolutely. And it's... It's so good. Like, I, I have it in one EDH deck, and every time I cast it, it's seven plus cards. It is a, it is a full grip. Like, it's... Yeah. I, it's powerful. It is it yep. is secretly powerful. The, the the trick with it is just knowing when to cast it. As an added bonus, it's got squid art. It does it have squid art. Does have yeah. squid art. And it's you a, wouldn't associate squids with keeping watch, but here you are. And it's instant you speed. Are. Like it's so good because we have that. What is it? Borrowing a thousand arrows or what have you? That oh, I love is that. A, borrowing a hundred thousand arrows. Yeah, it's a sorcery that kind of does the same thing. You draw a card for each tapped creature. But like, yeah, keep watch is just better because it doesn't care if they're tapped or not. They just have to be attacking. Yep. But yeah, I'm a I big love fan. the implications of the name "borrowing a hundred thousand arrows." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when you, the first time you hear the name, you're like, "Oh, okay." Like I guess I'll just like use these real quick. And then you think for, for like you take three seconds, you think about like how am I going to return these arrows? Oh, uh, that's how. <laughs> that's how. <laughs> Genocide. Uh-huh. Cool. 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 Sweet. What else you got? Uh, I also have Sage Row Denizen. So this is combo the, piece. This is a combo piece. Uh, it is the blue card in the cycle that belongs to Court Street Denizen and the more infamous Ivy Lane Denizen. Yeah. Uh, so this one is two and a blue for a two three Vidalcan Wizard. Whenever another blue creature enters under your control, target player mills two cards. Combo piece because if you have absolutely no other win con for your drake loops this will mill your opponents out because drake does enter the battlefield <laughs> yep certainly does as many in, times as you in, want it to in the event that all your other win cons are non-existent sages or is is there sages or is also hilarious to mess up people's tutors in edh because creating tokens takes zero effort and mm-hmm. You know, people will tutor the top of the library, and then you just mill it. <laughs> yep. You don't see a lot of that in PDH, but it is amusing to watch people, like, scry to the top or manipulate the top of the library with, like, a brainstorm. and then you like just... Witch's Cottage puts Creature on top. Yeah. Right. And then you just instant speed make a token. <laughs> Mystic Sanctuary puts a card on top. Mystic Sanctuary. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Say, I say love this card Denison was a, was so a much. combo piece in blue-white familiars and 60-card popper, so it's extremely yeah. powerful. Yeah. It's... So for not, I mean, it's a 2-3 three for 3. Like, that's not terrible. Yeah. The body's not going to win you games, but yeah. It's a good card. Dies to bolt. It does die. Unfortunately. Terrible garbage. Actually, wait. Fortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it was a 4-butt, oh, that'd be brutal. Yeah, and then uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is uh, a category of cards I really like. It's okay. modal counter spells. We started getting these in more recent years, where... It's a three or four mana spell that lets you counter a spell and then has some other ability on it. Yeah. Uh, frequently drawing cards, sometimes uh, tapping things down. We, we've gotten a few of them in the past couple of years, but they've, they've been scattered throughout Magic's history, and I, I really like them. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy them. Really I, know, love. I know some people don't like them because they're just like the overcosted counter spells, and I get that, but like they're also not. <laughs> Right. Like, you're like, paying for the modal ability. I, I'm just a sucker for modal spells, honestly. 
Sure, sure. Like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with I this. I love Soul Read. Yeah. Soul Read is so good. For Soul. Is, is it Soul Read? Uh, yeah, Soul Read. Yes. For four mana. Yep. Choose okay, one. Yeah. Counter target spell unless its controller pays four or draw two cards. Yeah. Obviously, instant speed. That one's great. Sure. Yeah, I kind of forgot about it. This Oh, because it was just Jumpstart. Yeah. I sort of kind of forgot about it. It's a good one. Now, how does... I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent. A card like Soul Read, is that just like you're building a, a blue X deck and you're like, oh, I got a spot for a counter spell. I'm going to put this in there. Or are you playing this in like specific types of decks? Uh, It kind of depends. Frequently, whenever I see people running these, the answer I get from them is it's what they had. Sure. <laughs> which, which kind of upsets me. Uh, <laughs> I run these in my open meta Sphinx deck. Because if I cascade into them, they are still useful. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're not just like, oh, can't cast that. Right. As an Azorius deck, you are kind of expected to have counter magic, mm-hmm. and it's really awkward to have counter magic when your whole game plan is cascade. Um, <laughs> True. I True. I like these because they let me still have that option. Now, it's not a great option, but it is there. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. I didn't think about Sphinx. These these definitely tend to require a certain type of deck. They're not just you. You can't just replace your counter spell and negate with these. That's fair. That's fair. Were you gonna say something, Dave? I like them in um. I like them in kind of casual spell slinger decks because I do want to have a certain density of counter magic in case someone tries to do like crazy massive blowout things. Yeah. But I don't want to be the fun police. So for me they make in in like spell slinger ish decks i think they make really perfect like counter spell number five or six of five or six right because that way like if you get a bunch of the other counter spells you can just use this one as its other mode yep and not be the fun police but if you don't draw any of the other counter spells you can you can still have this in your hand and like stop uh a huge blowout yeah that's that's where i like them and in, in I think they make really great casual counter spells. Mm-hmm. Because if you build a casual deck with too many hard counters in it, people are going to not think that that's casual and fun. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, good little list there, Liam. I like that quite a bit. I actually have uh, quite a few blue cards in my list, so I'll go through them pretty quick so we don't make the whole episode about blue cards. Uh, the first one, I'm, this, this was literally, when we talked about this episode, this was literally the first card... Not of blue, but at all that came to my head for this particular topic. And it is Early Frost. Uh, it was only printed in 5th Dawn. It's a generic and a blue for an instant. You tap up to three target lands. That's it. I, I've i never played in PDH, so I don't know if it would really be even uh, worthwhile in our format. I played it a lot in 60 Card Popper. It's fun to, when you can have four of them and you can hit someone in their untapped step. You know, turn their turn three or turn four, and you're like, oh, sorry, now you don't have any mana. I guess it's my turn again. Like, it's fun to, like, prison lock people with this, but I don't know if you can necessarily do that when you're playing against three other opponents, but I still love it. I'm sure there's probably some shenanigans somewhere out there. Uh, The next one that I, I'm, I think I'm sorry, I might have... I'm going well, to interrupt go you. You said it's fun to prison lock people? In in competitive in sixty card competitive, it was super fun. <laughs> I see how it is. I don't think it's that style is good in multiplayer, but it was super fun on MTGO and a couple times in person. Yeah, it's good. And a couple Psychic. times in person. <laughs> okay, times in person. okay. Got to, <laughs> have to walk back a couple of statements here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know when you got three or four psychic venoms out and you can tap their lands at will. Like, come on, that's fun. That's good times. 
Uh, one card. Making psychic venom work is always got, a wise maneuver. That's what I'm saying. That's what I've I'm got saying. my eye on you. <laughs> uh, another one that I really, really love, but I always end up getting burned by it, is Ideas Unbound. It's blue-blue, uh, so it's double blue mana for a sorcery, an arcane sorcery. You draw three cards, and then discard three cards at the end of turn. I don't know what you're doing with this. In my head, it was always like, sweet, I'm going to draw three cards, and I'm going to be in Spell Slinger, and I'm going to cast them all. That way, at the end of turn, I don't have to discard anything. But it never works out that way. I end up drawing cards I can't cast, or I draw lands, and I end up having to discard them because I was probably hellbent, or I had one card in hand when I cast Ideas Unbound. So I ended up just losing everything anyway. That's how it worked all the time. Um, but I do love the card quite a bit. I think it can still have a home, you know, if you can make sure that you're not sort of like screwing yourself by casting it. Um, have you ever played this card, Dave, in PDH? Have you ever seen it played? No, I've only I've added it to decks and uh, to experimental decks. Uh -huh. I've added it to deck lists when those deck lists really want to be doing arcane things. Mm. I haven't actually put a physical copy into a real deck yet. Yeah, it does have that going for it. So if you're uh, doing some sort of arcane shenanigans, you get that. Uh, next on my list here, this also kind of went, uh, this also went into some of those 60 card prison style decks is, uh, Golf Squid. For three generic and a blue, you get a 2-2. When Golf Squid ETBs, you tap all lands target player controls. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got for that one. Rude. <laughs> it's super I, rude. I'm sensing uh, a pattern yeah. here. <laughs> I'm not liking it. I, uh... I used to have Golf Squid in my Ulka deck because I imagined like repeating this ability, like flickering the squid to be able to repeat this ability would be really good. And then I realized that Ulka brings things back at the end of turn. Uh -huh. And if I wanted to get this like actually, if I wanted to get this effect to happen when I activate Ulka, I needed to have Golf Squid in play and I needed to tuck it under a Wormfang Drake. Okay. And then I realized that that was way too many hoops to jump through. It does just sound like a lot of hoops. <laughs> Just to be like a uh, prison lock, mm -hmm. bro. Prison lock, and bro. I decided yep. to take out Gulf Squid. Yep. Yep. I still run Avon Fogbringer though because I am a bad person. No, I understand. My uh, one of my iterations of my sixty card prison deck was like I said, Psychic Venoms, Ideas Unbound, Gulf Squids, uh, Early Frosts, like Snaps. I use Green. I can't remember what I use green for now, but then I had like my only just, beaters, my only win cons were Quandrix Pledge Mage. Do you just hate fun? It just grew bigger as I casted spells. <laughs> it was terrible. Brad, Brad has had a week that has involved lots of convenience things not working out. Quality of life is on the decline, <laughs> and this, decline. this is the Brad we get. <laughs> when the lettuce he buys is half rotten. Uh huh. That's that's it. You get it's prison. over the edge. You get prison, Brad. Time for early frost, golf squid, <laughs> no fun allowed, prison decks. Uh, what else? What other what other stacks things can Blue do? I feel Brad? like I've been oh lied to. Looking at my looking at my list, months. like that's a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot of stack stuff on here. Uh, let's go with the yeah. next one. Um, this one is actually I don't even know if I've laid this one in pdh it's anti-magic aura it's too generic in a blue it was originally printed in legends and it's anti -magic. still anti-magic anti-magic yes in in the magic in the, in the magic cards uh it, it's an aura so enchanted creature cannot be the target of enchantments instants or sorceries this effect does not bury anti-magic aura 
the oracle text is enchanted creature can't be the target of spells and can't be enchanted by other auras. So, I don't know what you're going to do with it. I, I don't think I've found a home for it in Popper Commander, but I, I like it. It's interesting. We don't have a lot of uh, specific... Because uh, it's not really Shroud and it's not really Hexproof. It's like a weird amalgamation of those things. And I just think it's it's kind of a cool card. I've never actually played with it. It's just fun. I think it's totally obscure, but it seems like there could be a home somewhere or in some particular meta that you're struggling with. I think it's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's a very cool card. Uh, the next one came to us at Common... The next one on my list came to us at Common via Master's Edition on MTGO. Otherwise, it would be a rare at $52 from Legends. And that is Telekinesis, another double blue. But this one's an instant. And you tap target creature. You prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by that creature this turn. And then that creature does not untap for its controller's next two untapped steps. Stun counters, <laughs> but you can't proliferate them. Yes, exactly. Yep, even the uh, Oracle text just says next two untapped steps. Like, yep. We I got, think it's neat. That's cool. We got a a version of this in Baldur's Gate called Stunning Strike, mm-hmm. which is a three-mana flash aura that taps the enchanted creature, removes it from combat, and doesn't let it untap unless it's legendary. Yes. So if you yep. if you want this effect for two cents instead of $52, <laughs> Stunning right. Strike from Baldur's Gate is, is the place to be. But Telekinesis did it first. Yep. Telekinesis is just cool. It's uh, super cool. Yeah. And Stunning Strike is a permanent, so it's got that going for it, too. Uh, that's as much a liability as it is a, like, doesn't untap for two turns might as well be like doesn't untap ever. Yeah, <laughs> like two turns yeah, is a true. long time. Two, <laughs> two full turn time. cycles. So stunning it's strike, like your commander or something. Right, you can you can get out of stunning strike by any enchant removal lets it untap again immediately. So like, yeah, I think I think telekinesis is probably the stronger card. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you if you really want to save fifty one dollars, <laughs> which have I suggest, a version of it that's two cents. All right. Uh, next on my list is another. This one never really played out the way I always thought it would, but it's still a pretty cool card. It's from Urza's Legacy. It's too generic and a blue for an enchantment. Would would this be a global enchantment back in the day? I don't think they still use that terminology in Urza, Urza's Legacy, but way back in the day. Global the enchantment. Text, yeah. Yep. Text box says each other enchantment gains quote during your upkeep. Pay two or sacrifice this enchantment. End quote. Uh, I've played it in decks. But it's never really done like the thing because it's never gone up against uh, boggles or, you know, what have you type deck that would really uh, benefit from casting something like this. But it's cool. I like the design. It's like a grace blade artisan in shambles. Yeah, in shambles. Uh, All the decks we just talked about last week. Never, never going to financially recover from this. (laughs) Never, never, ever. This is the uh, meta buster, I guess, for that for that episode. Uh, But yeah, it's cool. It's cool design. It's great artwork. So if you ever find yourself in the situation where you're just being beat down by auras and enchantments constantly, then pick up an uh, pick up an aura flux, and you'll be happy you didn't. Uh, the next one here is one of my favorites. It has two different artworks from alliances, and I actually played this one quite a bit. It's in my Cormella deck. I've put it in random blue decks for for no reason, just because I think it's interesting to have in blue. Uh, it is false demise for two generic and a blue. You get another aura. And whenever enchanted creature is put into a graveyard, return that creature to play under your control. Plain and simple. It's unholy indenture. It's unholy indenture in blue. 
15 years earlier, 20 years That's, earlier. When was indenture M20? 26 years earlier. Yep. That's cool. I like it. Sorry. I was thinking of Unhallowed Pact. Ah, there you go. Unhallowed Pact was Avacyn Restored. That was 2012. So, yeah. Yeah. 16 years earlier. Yep. But it's cool. If if you're particularly looking for this effect in blue, you got it. Uh, I think. I can't remember if it's in my newest iteration of my Cormella Threaten tribal deck. Uh, but it's great there because it's Grixis, Grixis colors. So, uh, it's just fun. It's another one of those fun steal your creatures sort of thing. Uh, this next one, I, I, I've, I've loved it since I started playing the game pretty much, or when I first found out about it. I literally have no idea what to do with it, and I've never seen anybody talk about it, so that probably tells me that it's terrible. And that is Foresight. It's another common from Alliance for a generic and a blue. It's a sorcery. You search your library for any three cards, you exile them, you shuffle your library, and then you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Mm, that's it. That's the whole card. It's... It's got enough of the uh, verbiage on there, like library, uh, exile, search, all this stuff that you think there would, there should be a way to like break it. But I just don't, I don't think there is. But not a have common. you ever played this card, Dave? No, I understand what it's like. The, the intention of this card when they printed it was to be able, so that you could run sideboard cards in the main deck. Uh, you know stuff like chill. Okay. Like if you sure. if you want a main deck chill because you're worried about red, and then you find yourself playing against a not red deck, this is a way to like pull the chills out of your deck so you don't dead draw. Okay. Sure. Um, and then it replaces itself as a cantrip. Like I don't think that it ever saw a ton of play. There might be some goofy stuff you could do with it in terms of like in in like EDH with rares. What what are the what are the things you can cast from exile? Squee. I think there's there's some weird Eldrazi thing you can cast from Exile. Yeah, that's what I like, was thinking, like EDH stuff. But. Yeah, do goofy EDH stuff with it, but I, I don't think there's a good way to utilize it at common. Like, yeah, it's just it's so interesting. Like, we just don't have that effect literally anywhere. Yeah, except like, for this card. You can get stuff. You can get other people's cards out of Exile with the the Eldrazi processors. Mm-hmm. But like you, there's nothing that allows you to get your own stuff out of exile. So there's no way to really like use this as a tutor. Right. Exactly. It's just a way to like pull cards that you're not going to use in this particular game out of your deck. Yep. All right. And then I got one more blue on my list, and it's sort of in that same category. Like I've never really played it, but it seems like it should be okay. But then again, I've never seen anybody play it, so maybe it's not okay. Uh, and that is Latinam's Legacy. It is also from Alliances and Cold Snap theme decks and MTGO, apparently. Uh, it's generic and a blue for an instant. You shuffle a card from your hand into your library. If you do, you draw two cards at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Seems okay. Yeah, it's a thrill of possibility, but slower. But but slower, yeah, and you don't get the benefit of actually discarding it. But yeah, yeah. it seems okay in blue. Like, I want to try it out, but uh, yeah. you know, I feel like it's going to be one of those where I cast it and I do the thing and it's like oh that's what it does I can take it out of the deck now it's fine <laughs> like I don't feel like it's overwhelming or anything but it's definitely interesting I like this there are certain decks that want the cards to be in the deck mm -hmm. instead of in your hand so like Liam's already mentioned Eastfix like when you're playing Eastfix you don't want to draw Eldrazi Devastator no you want to cascade <laughs> true, into Eldrazi true. Devastator 
<laughs> like true. so, I could. I I don't know if Latin M's Legacy is good enough to have a spot in in the, the East Sphinx because the those spots are pretty tight. They're pretty contested. But yeah. like, I could I could see this card being in a deck like that or like a Rebel deck where you want to tutor the Rebels into play from your deck and not from your hand. Like this is a way to get cards back into your deck if you want them there. Sure. I like and it. you draw two cards off of it, which is not bad. Yeah, and it's, I mean, super specific, but you know, he can get out of a bad brainstorm, anything like that. So. Brainstorm. Yeah. Speaking of bad brainstorms. Yes. And speaking of putting cards from your hand into your deck so that you can cascade into them. <laughs> Let's do it. I want to tell you all about Dreamcash. All right. Uh, Dreamcash was first printed in Mirage when. Wizards was like, man, Brainstorm is busted. We messed up time. We're going to try and fix this card. They printed Brainstorm as a three-mana sorcery, uh-huh. which is terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> like they, yeah. uh-huh. They've successfully balanced Brainstorm. Maybe too much. Maybe a little uh, too much. The, the benefit you get for, for paying two extra mana and for being limited to only sorcery speed, the benefit you get is that when you put the two cards back, you can choose to put them on the bottom of your library. Yeah. That's not why I think this is good. I think this okay. is good because it is a second copy of Brainstorm in E-Sphinx. That yes. is the only thing I like about mm. this card. Okay. Brainstorm cool. is critically important in E-Sphinx because sometimes you draw Eldrazi Devastator and you're like, man, in my hand is not where you go, Eldrazi Devastator. I sure wish it was on top Please. of my library. <laughs> I wish it was on top of my library. We have Brainstorm and we have Dreamcash, and that's it. Nice. We have Brainstorm and then Brainstorm at home. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have Brainstorm at home. It's called Dreamcast. Basically. It's uh, called Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What does it get? Uh, for me in blue, there's a whole category of cards that shrink the power of things that I mm-hmm. think are pretty underrated. I've been experimenting with them lately. I don't think they're good cards. I think they're really fun cards that like no one is expecting. Yeah, like Sea uh, Hag is hilarious. Sea Hag is a great one. <laughs> Uh, I stopped someone's combo turn once. Someone was trying to combo with Vol, who taps for uh, mana equal to her toughness. Uh-huh. They had a power tough. They had like a great axe on her or something, and something that switched power and toughnesses. Oh. And in response to the power toughness thing, I I hit it with like a downsize Get or like him. something that gave it minus four power. And they were like, wait, what? Wait, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that up, works. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I shot down the whole... Oh, no, it wasn't a great exit. It was Tavern Brawler. It had oh, a power boost because of worse. Tavern Brawler. And then they were nice. trying to switch its power and toughness. I was like, no! <laughs> like, please make it small! <laughs> and they were like, there's no way you just shut down my whole turn's combo like this. And I was like, no, it just happened! <laughs> yep, uh, certainly and did. like we. We still lost. They comboed the next turn, and I couldn't sure. stop it twice. So, like, yeah, it was yeah, still yeah. game over. But for a while, it was a really funny thing. So I, I like these power shrinkers, like Downsize or Stream of Unconsciousness or uh, uh, Uncomfortable Chill. Befuddle. Befuddle, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of them are super fun. And the last cards I want to mention quickly are uh, there's another category of cards that will bounce an opponent's creature and also let you bounce one of your own things. Okay. I play a bunch of decks with commanders that want to be cast and then recast and then recast another time. Okay. So things like E-Sphinx. Uh, this keeps coming up. No, Weird. We're not... Imagine that. Animating Fairy. We'll go with that one. Animating okay. Fairy is a card that wants to be cast over and over again. So you need to pack your deck with cards that, that will let you bounce your, to your hand. 
you don't want to be spending your own removal on your own creature, because that's just not how you gain value. There's a bunch of blue cards that let you bounce an opponent's thing and your own thing at the same time. So they're the removal and they're going to fuel that value train. This is like Peel from Reality, Aether Trade Winds. I think the best and most underplayed and most underrated of these is Curfew, oh, so which good. shuts down Boggles really uh-huh. hard. Withdraw is another one that I think sees a lot less play than it should. Withdraw is a blue-blue for an instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Then return another target creature to its owner's hand unless its controller pays one. Yep. This was from Prophecy when Wizards was experimenting with a whole Ristic thing. Like, do you pay the one? So sometimes a person is tapped out and you can just catch them with this and bounce two of their creatures for two mana, which is pretty good. At instant speed. Usually you're going to target an opponent's creature with the guaranteed bounce and you're going to target your own creature with the conditional unless you pay one bounce just to put it back in your hand, which is where you want it. Right. So, like, Sakarian Infiltrator loves this. Oh, Animating Fairy. certainly does. <laughs> uh, E-Sphinx, Bear's Companion. Like, I think Withdraw is criminally underplayed in decks that want to be casting the commander a lot. Yeah, it's one of those... I haven't played against it very often, maybe three or four times in the last year and a half or whatever, but every time I do, I'm like, man, that's a cool card. I should really play that more often. Yeah. Because it always, it always does something. Like, it's always good... In almost every situation it gets played in. Yeah. Because you're right. It's turn 10 and everybody's got mana for days. Yeah. You just target your commander and their creature guaranteed. Like, yeah, it's fine. So it's always going to do the thing. At worst, it's peel from reality, which I also play. Yeah. I like that one too. And it's, it's ceiling is much better than peel from reality. Mm -hmm. There are like, six mana blue sorceries that bounce two creatures yeah (laughs) read the tides or whatever oh yeah that one's modal but like as a baseline how much should this ability cost you're looking at a six mana sorcery (laughs) having that for two mana is an instant but conditionally still pretty good yeah still real good heavy blue but still real good heavy blue yeah i love those i think at least one of these maybe trade wins Maybe two of the ones you mentioned are in my popper cube because they're just good. They're just versatile yeah. and they're good. So I think maybe trade wins and run away together, I think, are in there. So run away together is the, my favorite of that whole category. I don't think run away together is underrated. I think people read mm-hmm. run away together and they see that you can bounce creatures from two different opponents and they put it in their decks as removal. Like these other oh, cards. Like 95%. Yep, you're yeah. absolutely correct. Like peel from reality. Is you know what Runaway Together was ten years ago, eighteen years ago. God, I'm old. Steal from Reality <laughs> was what Runaway Together was before Wizards was really acknowledging the multiplayer scene at all, where it's return yes. target creature you control yep. and target creature you don't control. And like, I still think Peel from Reality is good enough to be played in these decks easily. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, so it's many pretty of these rare. Are just better. It's pretty rare that you're playing a blue deck where the commander does not have an ETB. Yeah. Like that's totally fine. Yep. So cool. That's a good collection of uh blue you get there. Do you want to uh start us off with some black or you want to pass it over to Liam? Ah, uh, yeah, let's let's go back to Liam. I feel like cool. I've yeah. talked about blue for a while. What do you got in the swamp category? Yeah, so in my swamp category I actually have a, a small number of cards. 
Uh, my first one is Night Haze. This is a combat trick, but not, because you have to play it in the main phase. But not. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a sorcery for a single black mana. Target creature gets s- gains Swamp Walk until end of turn. Uh, and Swamp Walk is it can't be blocked as long as defending player controls a swamp. And you also get to draw a card. This is fantastic yeah, I, in my I did not deck. know this card existed until the pre-show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this card's great. I, I know Dave was kind of like reading it like, yeah, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> Thing is, though, s- swamps are pretty popular. Yeah, the color, they color, certainly are. color black is pretty popular. Typically, this is not a dead card. There's at least one opponent in every pod you can hit with this. And in the event you can't, it cantrips. Yep. At, at the very worst, it cycles for a black mana. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like, it's, I like it. It's, it's, I, I think it's an amazing card. I love this card. And then another card... That I want to talk about is Essence Harvest. So for two and a black, you get a sorcery that says target player loses X life, and you gain X life, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So this is kind of like a fling, but you don't actually have to sacrifice anything. Yep. And while it might be sorcery speed, I think that's okay. Oh, it's absolutely worth it. Like I've this... never cast this spell and not been happy with it. Yes, yes. I, you know, it's it's usually going in a large creature deck, which mm-hmm. is fine. But, I mean, at the worst, you're draining somebody for a bunch if you don't care about the life gain. Or I guess, you know, at the worst, you're gaining a bunch of life if you don't care about the drain. Like, right. at, I, I have never not cast this card and not been happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. I basically. played in... Orpheo, you you know you're gonna hit somebody for fifteen or twenty or thirty. I've played it's in my uh, Mouth of Sauron deck where I can target my orc and hit somebody, you know, drain somebody for ten, fifteen, twenty, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's just so good, and it like it's one of these cards that I've I feel like everybody knows about. Every time you bring it up, the people you're talking to are like, oh yeah, that's a good that, that's a good card, good card, but no one ever expects it when you're playing. Like, no one ever expects you to have this in their in your deck until you cast it and kill them with it. It's crazy. Yeah. It sounds like a skill issue. It, I think it, it is. is. I think that that's what it comes down to for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that that's my black section. Two... It's actually actually pretty small. That's good. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh what do I got in black? I got a couple here. This is uh this first one here is a I, I think it's a very interesting card if you're in the market for sort of an abusive like mono black deck and that's abyssal gatekeeper it's a generic and a black for a one one horror like the best creature type ever and it says when abyssal gatekeeper dies each player sacrifices a creature there's a lot of shenanigans you can do with this there's a lot of ways to like kill multiple creatures in a turn with this because you can sacrifice gatekeeper to carry and feeder you know you got to sacrifice another creature but everybody else has to sacrifice a creature like there's no, so no, many things going on you sacrifice you, you sacrifice Abyssal Gatekeeper to Fleshbag Marauder. Oh, there we go. That's the play. That is the play. I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really cool. I don't... Maybe people play it, but I, I've never seen it across the table, you know, in I, my opponent's decks or anything. I used to have it in a lot of decks. Uh, I, I really like it. Um, I would like it better... If the art didn't include Gerard, 
And the flavor text. Wondering if you'd say something about the the flavor text specifically. I hate yeah. the flavor text. So, like the, <laughs> so the art I could forgive by itself because the like the thing looks really horrifying. It looks like yeah, this weird spider. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if anyone has seen that Junji Ito meme where the kid is crawling into a hole. He's like, "This hole is made for me." This is like a horror spider that has a Junji Ito hole in like a, uh, it, that it lives gross. in, and I I love that. It's so like unsettling yeah but then in the bottom of the artwork is gerard like talking to it like you can see him gesturing with his hands and the flavor text is gerard just being like if you don't open this gate i'm gonna kick your ass and leave you in pieces and it's like what please please don't tell me you you drew this entire piece of artwork with this incredibly badass horrifying looking creature so that you can hype up gerard threatening it like that <laughs> Really, what we did with the creative Ger- direction of this, Gerard. I hate Gerard so much. Yeah, that is totally fair. Otherwise, the card is pretty sweet. Otherwise, the card is great. Uh, I'll do. I'll split my list in half. I'll do one more black and pass it over to you, Dave. Uh, this is one that kind of like Essence Harvest. Literally, everybody knows about, but no one really seems to want to play it a lot. And that's Ashes to Ashes. For a generic and double black, it's a sorcery. You exile two non-artifact creatures, and you take five damage. I don't know. Seems pretty good. Seems like a, a better kind of feed the swarm-ish type card. Yeah, I, I play it. I play it quite a bit. I just I don't ever manage to draw it very often. I, I don't. I don't mind it at all. I, I love the fact that it exiles two creatures. That's really good at getting rid of threats. Yeah, super good at it. So. I'm a big fan of it. it. You you do. I I know that can be a deterrent for a lot of people, but I think it's great. Because it's not... um, The losing five life or taking five damage is not an alternative cost. Like, you just do that (laughs) regardless of what you paid for the card. So, yeah. I'm a big fan of it. It's great. Yep. Uh, Let's throw it over to you, Dave. What do you got? Give me a couple. I heard that Lightning Helix is about to come back into standard. Uh Uh-huh. And so I wanted to play, I wanted to tell you guys about the original Lightning Helix, mm-hmm. which is not a card from Ravnica. It's a card from Weatherlight called <laughs> Spinning Darkness. And All here's right, a cool thing about, here's a cool thing about the original <laughs> Lightning Helix. You think Lightning Helix is good because it's only two mana. Spinning Darkness is free. It certainly is. Like, would you like to play with a Lightning Helix that doesn't cost mana? You think there's some weird catch. There's not. It it's just a lightning helix that's free. You have to you have to exile the top three cards, the top three black cards of your graveyard. That's it. And it can only target non-black creatures. Yep. But in all other ways, it is a free lightning helix. The actual mana cost is six. If someone hits you with a relic of progenitus, that's rough because <laughs> it's not worth six <laughs> mana. But, no, it is not at all. I mean. Exiling the top three black cards of your library is irrelevant. Like that's never going to be a problem. And then sure. it's just a free lighting helix. Yeah, yeah. I see. I see no downside here. The downside is you have to track your graveyard's order. Ah, that's true. That yeah, is true. That's that's the real price of this card. Not being able to change <laughs> the order. If this is in your deck, you can't change the order of the cards in your graveyard. Yeah, because it's not exile three black cards from your graveyard. It's exile the top three. But still, great card. I'm yeah. really surprised that it doesn't see more play than it 
than it is. Agreed. What else you got? I'm going to tell you really quickly about Gangrenous Zombies. Uh, we talked a little about Hallow being able to blank a lot of the board wipes. Gangrenous mm-hmm. Zombies is the board wipe least likely to be blanked by Hallow. It is a 3-mana 2-2 from Ice Age yeah. with the ability you can tap it and sacrifice to deal either 1 damage to each creature and each player or if you control a snow swamp, 2 damage to each creature and each player. So this is a... I think a lot of people call these things the rattlesnakes, where like it's just a, yeah. it's a it's a thing you just leave on the board and like threaten to use if someone tries to do things. Everybody that, sees it. Everybody's aware of it. Yeah. Nobody wants to make it angry. <laughs> this is this is the rattlesnake version of breath weapon. Yeah. And it's uh pretty good at what it does because you can also just unearth it <laughs> or like like you can't you can't raise dead a breath weapon, but you can raise dead again greenest zombies. Yeah, you can just. Keep doing it. Yeah, you can just bring this back from the graveyard however often you need to to just get yeah. those. You can you can encore this with Arayumi and just deal six oh, damage to everything? No, that's gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Each creature, each player. It's great. Yeah, it's just Evan Carr's justice on a body, and I'm into that mm-hmm. for sure. You know, and I forget uh, what card we were talking about earlier. Oh, I really can't remember. But basically, oh, it was one of the uh, the modal counter spells. Like you were saying, it's like a more casual version of like the hardcore counter spells, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can almost look at Gangrenous Zombies that way too. Like it's not a, it's the same mana cost as a Crypt Rat, but you can't pump fifteen into it. Right. You know, you can't pump twenty into it. You can't. Can you throw Life Link on the Gangrenous Zombies? You can. Network? You can give it a Life Link. Yes. Even though you you're can, sacrificing him, yeah, you just give it lifelink first. Okay. Uh, it it will it will deal the damage as as it existed as the card before it hit the graveyard. Oh, okay, cool. So, so I guess you could do those shenanigans, but yeah, um, you could give it lifelink. You could give it uh, touch of moon glove. Oh, so good. <laughs> just, just a touch. Just just touch. Just touch. Uh, it's a bad touch. It's yeah, it's touch, super bad touch. Kind of touch you need an adult for, but it's it's, uh, it's yep. good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh. But yeah, I'm a big fan of this card. I think more yeah. people should play it. I'm going to just finish up my black real quick. Yeah, there go are for no it. objections. I want to tell you about a uh, a card from Alliances called Soldevi Adnate. We have had a lot of Alliances on this list. Well, alliances is kind of a sleeper hit. It there was really some, is. There's some gas in Alliances. Uh, we're not talking about Force of Will, but that also came from Alliances. They sure did. Soldevi Adnate is a two-mana... One, two, black creature with the ability tap, sacrifice a black or artifact creature, add amount of black mana equal to the sacrificed creature's mana value. Yep. I play this card in Gorix because Gorix has a mana value of eight and you can just sacrifice (laughs) him for eight black mana and then recast (laughs) him for two. For two. Seems good. Always only ever costs two mana to play. But, uh, yeah, you can just get eight mana out of them whenever you need to. <laughs> eight mana, not a small number of mana. No. Turns out eight is greater than two. It's, it, the math checks out. And it uh, doesn't, yeah. you don't have to sacrifice the adnate to do it. Like, it's just no. repeatable. You just keep doing Every it. Every turn, you can say, I was, uh, yeah, I played a game last weekend where I had this card online for a long time. And just, like, every single turn, 
I was just throwing all of my guys all over the place, and every time one of them was going to die in combat, I would just crack it for the mana. And I was getting like five mana out of it, and then, you know, just recasting it. Like, mm-hmm. using using an Undertaker to put it back in my hand. Right. Cast it a second time. Cast it a third <laughs> time. Like, I was I was doing silly tricks with this and Undertaker and, uh, and it, one of the Take the Initiative guys. Yeah. To just take the initiative over and over again every sure. turn. After I had taken it in combat, like <laughs> it's just as a as a sacrifice engine, as a mana producer, as a as a value outlet, like the Soldevi Soldevi Adnate gets uh, a lot less credit than it deserves, I think. Yeah, it certainly does. And this is another one of those that we've we've talked about a handful of these tonight. They have it has two different artworks in Alliances. Sixty uh, yeah. A is the superior artwork. Is A the lady? Yes. Yeah, I agree. These are facts. These are facts. Interestingly, this this was one piece. Of, this was a really wide piece of artwork that got split in half. You can see the dude's shoulder oh, in the bottom corner of the lady's see artwork. It. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Last black card I need to mention is called Kuombaj Witches. Mm-hmm. This is a two mana one three human wizard with the ability to tap. You can deal one damage to any target and one damage to any target of an opponent's choice. This yep. is the most political pinger there is. And <laughs> yep. uh, in a multiplayer game, you can usually tap this to deal two damage to whatever's the problem. Usually. Yep. Usually. That seems good. Seems good. Yeah. So, like, if, if player A has a problem, if player A play, casts a gutter snipe, you can just look at player C and, like, give each other very knowing nods. Even through spell tap- table. Yeah. It's that profound. Every, everyone can see the knowing nods to spell table when there's a gutter snipe involved. Yeah, and, specifically. And you and player C both agree to merc the gutter snipe, and then the gutter snipe <laughs> dies. It's really good. Yeah, for two mana, you get a 1-3 left behind. That's good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like it. It's super good. It's very good. It was pretty much like a, I would say, like an almost a staple in 60-card pop Romano black decks. Like, you had your... Kumbaj witches and your Garys and your relentless rats and that's all you needed. Uh, it, was, it was more a staple because it was a pingo in a deck that ran Gary. Yeah, yeah for mm, sure. And if it's yeah. double black pips, yeah. double black pips on a pingo in a Gary deck. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> seems good. Awesome. That's, that's the end of my black. Cool. I got two left here. Uh, I guess three technically. Uh, the this these first two sort of share the same word, so I put them on the same line. Let me pull them both up here. The first one is definitely played less than the second one, so I'll go with that one first. Um, it's Mind Swords from Nemesis. I absolutely love this card. I don't know how to play it or what I'm going to do with it, but I love it. It's uh, generic and a black for a sorcery. It's another one of those kind of free-ish spells. If you control a swamp, you can uh, sacrifice a creature instead of paying mine swords mana cost, but each player exiles two cards from their hand or in their hand from the game. I don't know. Seems brutal, but I love the design. I love the design Super quite a bit. Cool design. I don't think I've yes. ever heard of this card. It's crazy. Yep. This was another just... one. I've never played it in PDH. I brewed around with it in 60 card popper and it just never worked. Like it never <laughs> Never, they never exiled anything important, or I didn't draw it. Like I don't know, it was very underwhelming. But it, I still love it. I love it a lot. I used to run it in my Yuri deck when my Yuri deck was a lot more um, evil. Uh, sure, because it is an my evil Yuri, card. My Yuri deck runs all the 
threat and effects. So I would steal someone else's creature, attack them with it, and then use mind swords to sacrifice it and make everyone exiled. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. There's what was the other one? Uh, go ahead. Tell us about the other one. Uh, the other one is a little bit newer, and it's I think it's one of the few overload cards we have at common where the overload cost is cheaper than the actual cost of the card itself. Um, but this is Mind Rake. Uh, it originally showed up in Modern Horizons. It's two and a black for a sorcery. Target player discards two cards. Or you can overload it for a one generic and a black. And each player discards two cards. Yay! Like This one I have played with. This one I have cast. I have overloaded it. It's fun. If you've got good stuff in your hand that you want... Into, you want to get into the graveyard or you've got some madness stuff going on in your hand like this is a very good way to not only try to set your opponents back a little bit but to further your game plan with what your deck is trying to do and it's just it's super interesting we don't have a ton of symmetrical discard spells so i don't know seems good i like it quite a bit this one doesn't see a lot of play uh but then again i guess to be fair there's not a ton or i haven't seen a ton of dedicated you know, opponent discard decks in Popper Commander. So, um, but it's one of my favorite. I think it's super neat. I love Mind Rake. I love the modality on it. The, yeah. Like if for one real. guy's the problem, you make them discard. If you want to discard two, everyone gets two. And I, I love that it's a card with the overload is cheaper than the, than the cost. That is, that's really what draws me to it. Like that's it's, so, it's so cool. Such interesting design space. Like all the yep. other, all the other overload cards will very carefully say, you know, target opponent does a thing. Right. So that when you overload it, like, it's not going to hit you too. And this one doesn't. This one says target player, so that when you overload it, you get to discard as well. Yep. It's it's such a cool design space. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's just kind of a testament that, like, if you really, like, go back to the original Modern Horizons sets, you can just keep finding cards that are good. Yeah. Modern like it, had, it had some busted stuff. It had stuff that took the spotlight. You know, all this crazy nonsense. Um, but it was just full of really good commons. Really, really interesting, really well designed. Yeah. It's a very, very good I, set. I found the other card that I used to play in Yuri when Yuri was evil. Uh-huh. It's called Mind Extraction. Like, this one and Mind Swords were the two, like, big sack outlets that, that mm-hmm. everyone hated. Mind Extraction is a three-mana sorcery. As an additional cost, sacrifice a creature. Target player reveals his or her hand and discards all cards of the sacrificed creature's colors. <laughs> if you Brutal. steal someone's commander, every spell in their deck is going to match those colors. Yep. <sighs> you can you can kill their commander and make them discard their entire hand. <laughs> pretty brutal after they cast a keep watch and they're they're holding like 15 cards yeah you're just gonna make them discard all of them <sighs> absolutely savage yep oh we still have three colors to get through yeah it's gonna be a long one i know uh liam you want to hit us with some red ones for red I, I had a bit of a tough time because red like truly is the best color so there's really nothing that's terribly underrated but i think i can come up with something sure. uh to start off, we have Granite Grip and Claws of Valakit. These are both auras that are going to enchant a creature. Give it plus one, plus O oh for each mountain that you control. 
red is a very common Voltron color, and typically Voltron commanders will say equipment or aura. Uh, you'll 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 get the occasional one that like focuses on one or the other, but they they typically don't don't care how the Voltron is happening. And people tend to lean towards equipment because they don't get two for one or three for one as easily. But sure. What I think people miss is there's a couple of auras that are really just worth running in the deck because of the power boost that they give. And Granite Grip and Claws of Valakit are some of those auras where it's just the the buff that they give is just so great that it's worth the three mana. And I think that people overlook them just simply because of the fact that they're auras. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, the, you don't see a lot of auras played in 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 red red decks. So, yeah. uh, and like I, I, I like these quite a bit. Yeah, and like I get it. Like like in a in a strategy as fragile as Voltron, you definitely don't want to be losing your pieces when your creature incidentally dies. But you know, don't don't build the deck around having these, but you know, allow them to be a great boon when you do have them. Right. Is is kind of what I'm getting at, and, and sure. that's the space that they fall into. Uh, another card I want to talk about is Goblin Wardrums. This is uh, two in a red for an enchantment that says creatures you control have menace. Oh, God, this is so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Whether you go wide, whether you're Voltron, whether you're just a red deck that sometimes wants to turn sideways, just giving all your creatures menace in a card type that is highly uninteractable, pretty damn good. Yeah, it it this this card tends to win games. Like I've it, seen it happen. I've done it. Like I've. I've seen this card hit the table, and somebody is dying. It yeah. it might not be the whole pod, but somebody's gone. <laughs> somebody's like, dying because of this card. Yeah, yep. like congratulations, you just halved the number of blockers they have. Like yep, and, and you nailed it too. You could play it in mono red tokens. You can play it in Boros tokens. You can play it in these huge like Shadowfax style mid range decks you where you got these giant it, creatures. You like, can play it in Voltron decks. Voltron decks. It's, it's in it's in my Orpheo menace. deck. Like, like yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's so insane. good. Insane. Any yeah. deck whose main goal is turning sideways with any number of creatures from one to fifty wants to run this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the final card I want to to talk about is Tavern Brawler. So this is mm-hmm. Tuna Red for a legendary background. It says, Commander creatures you own have, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. This creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn where X is that card's mana value. You may play that card this turn. So I think a lot of people see the kind of the randomness of exiling the top card of your library, the plus X plus O, and they just, they just write it off. Yep. What I think they need to understand is the plus X plus O is not why we're running Tavern Brawler. <laughs> like Generally, that's just no, huh? that's just like a little extra cherry on the cake. The mm-hmm. the real sweet part about the card is it's exiling a card off the top of your library that you may play this turn. It yeah, is it's an giving you extra a free card. a free impulse every turn. A, one free impulse every turn your commander is out. Uh, yep. The thing about PDH and. I don't see this a lot in EDH, because in EDH, you get people who build decks not around their commander, but the commander is just like a strong card. Sure. In PDH, every deck is built around the commander. Right. Like, if you're playing red in PDH, this feels very strong. And we've talked about it before, and I just I still don't see it enough. I don't I either. plenty of people running red decks that aren't running Tavern Brawler that probably should, because it's, as long as you're controlling a commando, which is, generally speaking, always, right. y- 
you're getting an extra card each turn. It's just free value. Like I've seen it help people who are getting mana screwed. Like they yeah. exile a land. Okay, cool. I get a land. Like or it gets lands out of their decks. Like it's just it's so versatile. It's, a, yeah. it's such a good card. It's so good, and I just don't see it enough. Yeah. Oh, that looks like the uh, end of your red list. That is the end of my red list. Uh, I got three or four on mine real quick, so I'll go through them. Uh, I think I talked about this one pretty lengthy in our Discord, but it's Blood Frenzy from Tempest. It's uh, generic and a red for an instant. Target attacking or blocking creature gets plus four, plus O until the end of turn. And at the end of turn, you destroy that creature. So this is targeted removal in red that's not damage, not damage-based. In a multiplayer ga- uh, format like Popper Commander, you can you could take out two creatures. You know, if someone's swinging with a 1-1 one, one and the person they're swinging at has a 3-3, three, three, you could give the 1-1 one, one plus 4 plus 0 oh to kill the 3-3, three, three, and then the 1-1 one, one dies. Like, you could take out two creatures with this card on, during combat. Like, it's so versatile. If you have a creature that's that's expendable, but you know it's going to get through from for damage... Why not tack four more on there? Like, who cares? Like, it's, there's so many things that this card could do. A funnier implication is uh, tacking it onto a commander that's neo-lethal against an opponent, killing an opponent with it, and then at the end of combat, the creature goes away. Yeah, and then you kill their commander. Like, yeah, cool. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, so even if, you know, that target attacking or blocking creature wouldn't die in combat, they're going to die because it destroys that creature. So, yep. It's really cool. There's a lot of stuff you could do with it. And I I just think, I know I don't play it as much as I'd like to. And I don't think in general people play it as much as they should. Because I think it's kind of like the, like you said, for Tavern Brawler, people read the plus four plus O and they're like, oh, uh, it's a combat trick. We got plenty of those. I don't need to do that. They don't, they don't finish (laughs) reading the card. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the next one here is one that I try to play as much as humanly possible because I think it's fantastic. It's only I've ever had one printing in Exodus. It's a single red mana for an enchantment. It's called Onslaught. Hmm. And all it says is when you successfully cut, cast a creature spell, tap target creature. That's it. I mean, it's no Court Street Denizen, but you're probably casting a ton of creatures in a in some sort of red deck. Uh, you have to cast them. It's not tokens. It's not creation. You know, creature creation. You actually have to tap them. But I, when I was running Resolute Blade Master, it's the Boros commander that gives your team double strike when an ally enters the battlefield. Yada yada yada. I was running Onslaught and War Drums in that same deck, and those two combined won me the game. I was able to cast two or three creatures in a turn, tap down three creatures, and then give my whole team you know menace because of the War Drums. Like they just it just wins games, and people. This is another one that I've seen people, they're like, oh, yeah, I know of that card. And then when you play it, they're like, holy cow, that's way better than I remember it being. Or that's better than I thought it would be. Like, it's just, it ends up being uh, a lot stronger than than it reads. And it's only a single mana, so it's not a huge investment. So I like it quite a bit. Uh, let's see here. I'll run through these next two right quick. Or I'll run through this next one and then uh, pass it over to Dave, see what he's got for some red. This is one that I play a lot of in very specific decks, typically aristocrat-style decks. I just put it in my Cormella deck to uh, um, help me out there, get some value out of it. And this was also another Modern Horizons card that took me probably eight months to realize it was actually good, and that is Bogarden Dragonheart. It's a 2-2 human shaman with the ability you can sacrifice another creature, and then until the end of turn, the Dragonheart becomes a dragon... Becomes a dragon with base power and toughness 4-4, four, four, flying, and haste. 
So it'll work in your own Rakdos sacrifice deck, your own mono red sacrifice deck. Uh, it'll work if you're stealing your creature, stealing your opponent's creatures. Like there's so many, um, different things you can do with it and it's cheap. So I like it quite a bit. I like it mainly as the sacrifice outlet, not so much the 2-2 body or even the 4-4 body sometimes can, can not be as, uh, strong as it seems, but I love that it's a red sacrifice outlet quite a bit. So I like that one. Uh, what do you got, Dave? Got any red for us? Uh, I love the Dragonheart. That's a remarkable card. Uh, I also slept on it when it first came out, but now I'm a huge fan. My red is going to start with a card that I think is extremely narrow, <laughs> but like still really powerful. Okay. Cool. I'm going to tell you about Flaring Pain. Flaring Pain is a two-mana red instant that says damage can't be prevented this turn. And it has flashback for a single red mana. Single red mana. So uh, if someone is playing things like Righteous Aura or Hallow or <laughs> uh, Gossamer Chains, or if their creature has protection from yours, uh-huh. this will punch through protection. This will punch through Dawn Charm. This will punch through Moments Peace. This will punch through any Fog, Riot Control. It's like it. It's narrow, but it's less narrow than you think. And anytime anyone is trying to prevent damage, just being able to be like, "Ah, surprise!" It doesn't work. Yep. And like nice prismatic strands you get there. Right. And like the prismatic strands thing, especially, is like it's not that you're counterspelling the prismatic strands. It's that you're blanking the entire effect of it. Like, if yes. this was just a counterspell, someone could be like, oh, well, I'll just flash it back. <laughs> and, like, your your stuff still gets doesn't do damage. Yeah, like, it's for the rest of the turn. Yeah. Like, if, 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 if someone prismatic strands and you respond with flaring pain and they prismatic strands again, damage still can't be prevented this turn. Like, yeah, your first flaring pain, it. they just wasted it. Yeah, you can't. Like, once this resolves... No amount of additional fogs or protection does anything. <laughs> it's right. it's all turned off. Uh, and you get to do it twice. That's my favorite underrated red card. Another one that I think is uh, a little obscure is called Wildfire Elemental. It is. I had forgotten about this until I saw it in the show notes. This was printed in M20, but it wasn't in the base set of M20. It was in one of like the the... the Planeswalker decks? Planeswalker decks, yeah. This was only ever in the Chandra Planeswalker deck from M20, but it is a common. It is a 4-mana 3-3 with the ability, whenever an opponent is dealt non-combat damage, all of your creatures get plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. That seems like a good effect in red. Yeah. This, <laughs> with alongside cards like Raid Bombardment... Oh. <sighs> God. Is just absolutely out of control. Like that if you is have, out of control. Like if you have, if you're attacking with five goblin tokens and a raid bombardment, raid bombardment deals one damage to the defending player five times. Yes. And now each of your five goblins is a six-one. Yes. So they took thirty-five damage. Yes. <laughs> Casually just 35 damage from five one one goblins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's fine. And like Raid Bombardment is, you know, kind of like the extreme version of why this is really good. Sure. Like this is just, I mean, like 
it's basically just a a might stone. It's an orcish orfami that is also a three three elemental body that attacks. And if you if you damage someone twice, then it's better. It's a trumpet blast on a body. I always forget this card exists because it wasn't in the core set. So yeah, and there's um, you know there's all kinds of stuff that in in red specifically that. When this creature dies, it deals one damage to anything, or sacrifice yeah. this to deal one damage to uh, Voldaren Epicure comes in, and you know, yeah, like there's Voldaren, all. I think Voldaren Epicure ways. gives you three triggers. Yeah, because it's when an opponent. Yeah, so yep. something like end the festivities would also <laughs> give your, your all your stuff gets plus three power. Gross. Yeah, anything that like flame rift, plus three power. Uh, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the it Sizzle, goes all that stuff. Yeah, Dragon's Approach. This goes much harder than you think it does for yep. a four mana three three. Um, yeah. The last red card I want to talk about is Coronation of Chaos. Okay. Uh, this is the Baldur's Gate sorcery that just keeps on giving. Like I put this into it a bunch really of my does. red decks when it got printed, mm-hmm. and then like these days, like now that I've played with it a little bit, like every time I find a red deck that doesn't have this in it, I'm like, oh, I need to add that. <laughs> like, yep, it I is just, one of those types of cards. Right. Like usually I like. A set comes out, I get really excited about those cards, I put them in too many decks. And then I slowly take them out <laughs> until it's in the correct number of decks. This is the opposite. Yeah. Like it came out, I put it into too few decks, I'm still adding it to decks. This is a three mana sorcery. Up to three target creatures can't block this turn. Goad them. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole card. That's it. No one blocks your stuff, and everyone has to attack each other, and that's just the ideal way to play magic. No one blocks your stuff and everyone attacks each other. Yep. That's perfect. That's everything I want out of a game of magic. And, and this it's just not, gives it to me for three mana. It's not three target creatures controlled by the same player. Yeah. Like it's just target creatures. It's whoever you want. Let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite a fan. This is one that I uh, I think I slept on it for a little while just because I didn't really understand how powerful it could be. But mm-hmm. It is super good. It's super good. Big I like fan. it a lot. Yeah. Liam, you want to tell us about some green cards? Maybe? I suppose I could talk about some green cards. Let's do it. Uh, to start off green, I want to start with uh, just a generic category of cards. Uh, toolbox cards. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Scale the Heights. So we've talked about Scale the Heights before and how it's just kind of like generically good in a lot of different decks. I, I love cards like this, and it seems to me like green tends to get the majority of them. And so what do I mean by toolbox card? I mean, like, Scale the Heights is a sorcery for two and a green that puts a plus one, plus one counter on a creature, gains you two life, lets you put an additional land into play this turn, and draws you a card. Right. Does four things for three mana. Yep. <laughs> That's four different types of decks it can go into. Yep. And it's only three mana. Typically, the more versatile the card, the more expensive it is. Now, the more expensive it is in, like, mana costs. Now, you know, none of these abilities are, like, outlandishly obnoxious, but they all do the thing. Mm -hmm. They are all a trigger. It is a counter trigger. It is a life gain trigger. It is a landfall trigger. Like, this, this enables a lot of things, and I enjoy this type of card a lot. And right. to me, it just feels like green gets the majority of them. Yep, I agree. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is also a category of cards that I, I people are acutely aware of them, but I don't think they are aware of how many exist. And 
they are still a little stuck in the past. So mm-hmm. this will be the bite spells, named after Rabid Bite. Uh, these these are green instants and sorceries that have a target creature deal damage equal to its power to another target creature. This is distinctly different than fight spells, which is what people tend to be playing. Uh, yeah. Fight spells are the creatures are mutually dealing damage to each other, whereas bite spells is a target is dealing damage to another target but is not receiving any damage in return. So right. the bite spells have the inherently better effect. In addition, they don't cost a bajillion mana more than fight. Your, your typical fight spell is one to two mana. All the bite spells are two mana. Yeah. <laughs> And there's five of them. <laughs> I don't think people are aware there's that many. Like, I know people are aware of Rabid Bite. Yeah. But there's... there's. Let me let me do the Scryfall search real quick so I can I can read them out to you. Uh, Master's Rebuke, Ram Through, uh, Ambuscade. Bite Down, Rabid Bite, Cosmic bite. Hunger. Cosmic, Cosmic Hunger. hunger. Uh, there's quite a few. I actually looked it up. There's a, there's uh, a bunch, yeah. There's Band Together, Clear Shot. Yep, there is aggressive instinct. Band to so aggressive instinct is a sorcery. Band together is an instant. Bite down is an instant. Uh, combo attack is a three mana sorcery. Uh, the sorcery version of band together. Uh, yeah. Cosmic hunger is an instant. Clear shot is a three mana instant that gives your creature plus one plus one before the damage. There is a sticker version of this effect. There is a new card. F- from Ixalan, Huatli's Final Strike is a version of this effect, but it's still three mana. Master's Rebuke is two mana. Rabid Bite is two mana. Ram Through is two mana. Uh, like, like there are a lot of these effects now. Yep. And while you know there are some variations at three mana, it typically sits at two. If if you don't care about instant or sorcery, you have, and you're just looking for two mana, you have aggressive instinct, bite down, cosmic hunt. Hunger, Master's Rebuke, and Rabid Bite and Ram Through. That's six effects. Right. If you don't care about instant sorcery. If you do care about just having instant, you get four out of six of those. Like, I, I think that people are just so used to the fight spells that that were what we were getting even just six to seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think they need to realize that, like, the bite spells are what is being designed these days and that they should just wholeheartedly be replacing fight spells entirely sure yeah i'm 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 definitely a fan of them yeah i think the the only exception is uh if you are running naith in edh where your commander cares about fights (laughs) in in which case keep running the fight spells you're doing the right thing uh another card i want to talk about is deep war denizen it's two and a green for a three two elf warrior with vigilance it has the ability for five and a green. You can tap it, draw a card. Uh, and this ability costs one less to activate for each plus one plus one counter on creatures you control. Oh, it's so I, good. This is a little more niche because it has to go into a plus one plus one counter strategy. Like you can't you can't just throw this into a deck that randomly generates plus one plus one counters occasionally because you don't want to no, pay it, four to six mana to draw a card. Yes. But in decks that care about plus one plus one counters, this is one mana draw a card. This is really good. If you can't reliably get this down to a single green or two mana at the most, just take it out of your deck. Right. But there are plenty of times I see decks that should be running this that aren't. 
Mm-hmm. This is repeatable card draw on a body. And the vigilance is huge. Like you the, can attack with it and then draw a card second main phase. The vigilance is huge. Golly. But the, the important thing here is to notice that it says for each counter on creatures you control. So it's mm-hmm. not asking for the number of creatures with counters. It's just asking for the number of counters. Yes. If you put one counter on the denizen, over time through proliferation, you can get the denizen alone to have three to five counters. Mm-hmm. It's discounting its own ability. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's super I, fantastic. I highly recommend this for any decks that are caring about counters. I just I don't see it enough. And I think it's it it's another one of those modern horizons commons that I think people just looked over because they were more worried about the free elementals. Like, right. For sure. And it's you know, it's oh, it's a three mana three two. Like that's not great. Oh, it takes six mana to draw a card. Like you know, and then people just kind of stop reading after that. Yeah, they, they get their eyes glazed over and they're done. The next thing I want to talk about is a card called Deglamour. It is one in the green for an instant. You choose target artifact or enchantment, and its owner shuffles it into their library. Yep. So it's it's like naturalize, but rather than destroy the artifact or enchantment, it shuffles it. Mm-hmm. I love this card. <laughs> this always catches people. This they're always like, catches... Because it does what? <laughs> they, right. They're like, it, it doesn't go to the graveyard? Nope. It shuffles it. It goes away. You have to either hope you draw it again, or you have to tutor for it. Like, yep. it, it goes away. Uh, this is fantastic for people who like to have their... Their version of redundancy is reanimation for artifacts. Yeah. Or or sometimes enchantments. And this just gets rid of that option. Like they have to draw it again. It it's it makes it trickier. Uh it's also funny, uh the the second line I have used as a version of removal as well. Uh so you just choose a random artifact or enchantment on board, but what you really care about is making the person shuffle their library. Mm-hmm. They Witch's yep. Cottage a card to the top. They Mystic Sanctuary a card to the top. They brainstorm the top of their library. Yep. Make them shuffle. <laughs> like, <laughs> they they get to scry five and they're like, ooh, this card's really good. Make them shuffle it. Like, it's, it's, it's a really flexible card for a common. And I run this in basically all of my green EDH decks, let alone my PDH ones. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, is, this is insane. I love this card so much. And then the last one I want to talk about is Fangren Marauder, a 60-card uh, popper card that you'll see sometimes. All-star. Uh, it's, it's five and a green for a 5-5 five, five beast. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may gain five life. I, I that is you, so much life. <laughs> that's so much life. So In a 30-life format, that is so much life. In a 40-life format, that's so much life. Yeah. But the the real trick here is... It's a big beater in green, and people tend to overlook it because it's a f- six mana five five. Mm-hmm. But the the life gain is is not to be questioned here. Like like if it was two or three life, okay, sure. But it's any artifact put into any graveyard from the battlefield. Yep. Do you know what treasures and blood and <laughs> clues are? Do you, do you know, what, know where they go do, before do you, they dissipate? Do you know what food is? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know where they go before they, you know, cease to exist into the aether? Like Yep. Imagine your opponent playing a Kalane deck. 
Oh, you know, golly. Imagine your opponent playing uh, uh, one of the Lord of the Rings food decks. Yep. Or one of the soon-to-probably-be-upcoming Azorius Investigate Commanders. Like, this thing is nuts. And yeah. and unless you play 60 Card Popper, you probably don't know it exists. This is... So good. The amount of size I've gotten from this hitting the table for it is fantastic. <laughs> I used yeah, to have. It's a, like I used it becomes to have a, the threat because of the life gain, not because it it's going to beat you down. <laughs> I I used to have a, an EDH deck. I, I know I keep making EDH comparisons, but that's really where I learned these cards. Sure. Um, I had an EDH uh, deck. It was a Kahira deck, where Kahira was actually the commander, not a companion, and it was a white green beast deck. And every time this would come down, I would just get size because the like because <laughs> nobody nobody wants to waste a removal spell on it. Because it's yep. just a common, but it's also like I will have gained fifty, sixty life before the table decides it's a problem and finally kills it. Yep. And it's like, guys, it's too late. Like, <laughs> sorry, yep. I I paid six mana and gained fifty life. Like, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there are some people uh, who who are listening who uh, severely despise life gain, and to that I say you're wrong. Life gain's great. Because it stops filthy red players like myself from winning the game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's great effect. Cannot recommend it enough. Don't yeah. see it enough. Yep, I'm with you. All right, does that round out your green list? That does round out my green lists. All right, sweet. I'll uh, I got three on mine. I'll get through these and then I'll pass it over to to Mister D over there. Uh, the first one up. This is one that I haven't played in a very long time, and I feel like there used to be a sixty card deck combo deck built around this card. Uh, it was originally printed in Scourge, and it's two and a green for an instant called Sprouting Vines. And you search your library for a basic land, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. Uh, but wait, it's got Storm. Storm. Got Storm. Yeah. If you uh, if the stack's got eight spells on it, go get eight lands. If it's got two, go get two lands. Like, I don't know what we're going to do with it in PDH because I feel like the 60-card pauper combo involved a different color. I think it was red or something. Some card that does damage to target player based on how many lands are in your hand or something like that. Um, but anyway, I think this card Se- is just super... Seismic Assault? <laughs> is that that's, it? That's not a common. I'll have to look it up. But no, it's super interesting. I just think it's cool that we have a like a rampant growth or whatever, like a, a land tutor spell, but with storm. Like that just seems super interesting to me. I don't know where we use it because we don't generally have any effects that put more than one land into play at a time. You know, we can't just dump all the lands in our hand onto the battlefield or anything like that. But I think it's super but interesting, super neat. The places I've seen it used really effectively are in actually in the competitive scene. Um, Wither Bloom really fix it because mm-hmm. uh, doesn't doesn't super care about the lands, but it wants you know the the Wither Bloom triggers off the, all the copies. Ah, there we go. There we so go. That's yeah. a lot of drain. Mm-hmm. The other place I saw it is um, when Quandrix Apprentice came out. Like that was a thing that like you know every time you cast your copy to spell, you got to look at the top three cards, put a land among them into your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a great way to get like you know ten, fifteen cards in your hand. Just you you accumulate the cards so fast, and like they're all lands, but then you cast Flux. Ah, okay. And you discard <laughs> any number of you. You're just like wheel your your fifteen card hand, which is you know 
12 lands. Uh-huh. Just wheel that into a brand new hand of 15 and hope that your combo's in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the combo I was thinking of is, uh, you know, it's it's a gruel ramp spell, spell slinger spell, storm, storm deck, and basically... You ramp, you get the stack high, and you ramp into Sprouting Vines. You get all your lands in your hand, and then you cast uh, multiple copies or as many copies as you can of Inner Fire to Sorcery. Inner Fire. Yep, adds yeah, red mana buddy. for each card in your hand, and then you Caravix Torch them out. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, so. But yeah, I just think it's super interesting. I like the effect quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, the other one here is another aura. It's a single green mana for Predatory Hunger. And it says, whenever an, any opponent successfully cast a creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Enchanted Creature. This gets wildly out of hand, but there's just not a ton of decks that want to use it. Like Herd Baloth? Sure, fine. <laughs> I'll make as many uh, beasts as you'll let me make. Just keep casting spells. Like Stuff like that is super important. Uh, it plays really well with the Deepwood Denison, like Liam talked about. Uh, but I don't think it's good enough to just, like, oh, I'm playing green. I need to put Predatory Hunger in my deck. I don't think it's that good. But in the decks that care about plus one, plus one counters coming into play or being on a creature, it's extremely good in that deck. So uh, this should be one to be on the lookout for. I have fun playing it. The card itself doesn't win me games, but it sort of, like, adds to the shenanigans sometimes. Uh, and then the last one on my green list, I think I've heard Derek talk about this one, but I'm a huge fan of this one. I discovered, not discovered it, I just uh, sort of, like, remembered it and started playing it over the summer, and now it goes in pretty much every green deck I have uh, alongside Poison the Blade. But it's Provoke, originally printed in Stronghold. It's a generic and a green for an instant. You untap target creature you don't control. That creature blocks this turn if able, and then you draw a card. N neat combat trick. It's cool if there's a specific creature that you need to get rid of, and you have a death toucher or something like that, uh, and it replaces itself. So it's not like this guaranteed combat blowout. It's not like a guarantee removal spell or anything of that nature. Um, it's just really kind of toolboxy, kind of situational. But it always replaces itself. And I'm I'm a big fan of cards like that, especially in green, because especially in mono green, because you just don't get to draw cards in mono green. And this this sort of adds to that on top of giving you a very versatile um, combat trick. So I like it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's all my green cards. What do you got, Dave? I want to talk about Avenging Druid. Okay. From Exodus. This is a three mana one three with I have whenever forgotten it, about this card. Yeah, I think lots of people have. Whenever it deals damage to an opponent, doesn't have to be combat damage. Any damage to opponent oh, will trigger this ability. Okay. You may reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land card. Put the land into play and everything else into your graveyard. Wow. This is repeatable self mill and repeatable ramp. Yeah. On a three-mana body. On a three-mana body. Loves like, Verdian Longbow. <laughs> loves Longbow. Loves Rocks. Loves Rocks. <laughs> if you if you chuck a rock at someone's face with this guy, you get another rock. Like, he puts a land into play, and you get your rock back. Yep. It's just... And it's just free ramp. It's free real estate. It is free real estate. Literally. Yeah, I think that the uh, the card 
I have a lot of really big mana, big green stompy decks. I feel like the card that like when people are looking for really big mana payoffs in big mana green things, uh-huh. a lot of people really like overlook the two mana instant, which is Sprout Swarm. Yes. Which is one of the most effective big mana payoffs that exists because it has buyback yep. and it has poke. So it just makes a 1-1 one, one green sapperling, but you can just play it over and over and over and over and over again. And when you run out of mana, you just tap all the saplings you just made to play it a few more times. Yep. It's kind of nutty. Last green card I want to mention is another uh, just remarkable payoff for big green, big mana, big stompy decks. It's called Dread Lenorm. Uh, so this good. Is an adventure creature. The creature half is a 7 mana 7-6 seven, <laughs> with mini evasion. Can't be blocked by small creatures. Yep. You can only block it with big creatures. Things have to have at least four power in order to tangle with the Dread Lenorm Snake Dragon. Yep. Uh, so, by itself, pretty solid. Seven mana, seven, six with a vision. No, nothing to sneeze at. The adventure half is what I really love. It is a four mana instant. Put two plus one plus one p- counters on target creature. Untap it. It gains hexproof. This is protection, and untapping, and in beginning. Huge in beginning. And a seven mana seven six with <laughs> and, evasion. And a big old serpent snake dragon. Yep. All on one card. I cannot yep. get over how versatile this card is. And like all all of the things it's doing are things that I want to have happen in my big mana big stompy decks. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I'm worried about those things getting killed. I would like to untap them so I can block with them. I want them to be bigger. That's all of the things on the adventure. And then after I've done that, I would like to not spend a card from my hand to have a 7-6 with evasion. Right. Like, it's everything I want. I love this guy. Yeah, I do too. Big time. That's the end of my green. Sweet. That's all the slices of the color pie. Uh, Liam, what do you got uh, extra on the list? Yeah, so a little bit of extra. I got a couple of things. In terms of multicolor, uh, I want to shout out Terminate really quick. Uh, mm-hmm. This is an old-timey staple. Uh, for black and red, you get an instant. Destroy target creature, it can't be regenerated. It used to be a big thing in EDH, just two-mana killer thing. But it's kind of gotten outclassed recently because there are now kill spells that give extra bonuses and the can't be regenerated isn't really relevant in EDH. But in PDH, that can't be regenerated is still very, very relevant. Uh, there's sure. A, there's a lot yeah. of very, very popular spells, uh, both protection, uh, single target, whole board protection, that regenerate a creature. And Terminate shuts that off. I, I think this is a very classic spell that in is is relevant today in a format that is still regenerating things. And I think it's important to just shout that out that like, hey, you know, it, it might it, – it stays might be gone in, in EDH, but not yet in PDH. It's still relevant here. Yeah, it's super powerful. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to shout out is just the border posts. Uh, three mana artifacts, uh, the mana rocks. They enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, we only have the ones for allies, for the ally colors. So that's white-blue, blue-black, black-red, red-green, and green-white. But they have an alternate cost where you may pay a generic and return a basic land you control to its owner's hand rather than pay the three-mana mana cost. Uh, so turn one, you play your basic, tap it, return it to your hand, play the border post instead. Uh, 
that's not really a super great line for a lot of decks necessarily <laughs> but for certain decks like east sphinx or decks that care about artifact counts like mm-hmm. for affinity or for just just general power toughness reasons like these border posts are good sure. and just in general you know turn one they might not be a great play but later in the game if you're looking for a, a land drop whether you maybe want to trigger a landfall ability or maybe you're just like hey you know i i need the extra mana like you got nine lands out you know you, you tap a basic return it to your hand for the border post yeah the border post enters tapped this turn but next turn you have that extra mana uh you right. get to pay one rather than three for it and then you know it's i think the border posts are just overlooked they have a lot of potential for just kind of low value plays and yeah the card quality isn't the greatest right there, there were certainly better things to play but they deserve more slots than they get in in my yeah opinion. that's a good way to put it and i think that some people just don't know they exist sure they, they haven't really been reprinted ever Mm-mm, no so yeah, yeah uh, they're in alara reborn and arch enemy <laughs> yeah so outside of multicolor the two categories i just want to uh shout out uh first of all anything with mutate uh mutate's a fun mechanic if you don't think so, you're wrong. Mutate's a fun mechanic. <laughs> Just reconsider these cards in your deck. And then the other more serious one is cards with the Conspire mechanic. The Conspire is secretly good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 secretly good. And yeah, there are Conspire spells that are better than others. But honestly, I think that most of these are, are very, very playable. Yeah. And I just don't think enough people are playing them. Mm-hmm. And they, there's conspire options in every color and a lot of color pairs. Yes, so. there is con, in at common there is a conspire option, one option for every mono color and one option for every ally pair. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so yeah. I I highly recommend you take a look at them and just see what you can do. Yeah, just play around with them. You know, they're they're not super busted, in, but especially in token decks, these things are secret powerhouses in token decks. Yeah, you just cast them all day long. If you mutate something underneath a token and then populate it, you get the mutated version. Yes. Oh. If you mutate something on top of a token, then you can't populate it because it's Correct. not a token. It's not a token. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. I think what my favorite uh, memory as a judge is my third or fourth ever judge conference. I got to deliver a presentation on merged permanence, which is just the mutate mechanic. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a time when I could spell out basically every single corner case. Yeah, uh, mutates my favorite mechanic of all time. I want them to bring it back so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all I've got for multicolor slash miscellaneous. What do y'all got? Awesome. Uh, I have two cards in my miscellaneous category, and they both happen to be Rakdos. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show, and I thought about it today. Like this could be a multi-part episode. Like, we've only talked about a handful of commons. We haven't even touched on, you know, obscure and underrated or underplayed commanders in our, you know, format, that sort of thing. So I try not to go too crazy with it. I picked, for my miscellaneous category, I picked two of my favorite multicolor cards that I don't ever... I usually find a spot for them. I put them in a deck, and in 10 games, I never get to draw them. Or I try to cast them and someone counterspells it. Or I cast it and it's not as effective as I thought. And I end up taking them out. I still love them, though. The first one is Breath of Malfagor. 
It's a five mana. It's three black and red for an instant. So five mana instant. All right. And it deals five damage to each opponent. I don't know. That seems I love that. so fun. <laughs> Uh, I know Teach by Example is kind of terrible, but I I want to copy it and hit everybody for 10. Like, it just seems crazy. Like, it's unreasonable at 5 mana, but 5 damage is a lot. So, what are you going to do? And it's Rakdos colors. Like, come on. Uh, it'll trigger your uh, Wildfire Elemental. Yes. Three times. Three, three times. Yeah, exactly. After they've already taken 5 to I, the face. I have decks that just play Lava Axe. And this is so much better than Lava Axe. Oh, Lava Axe is five mana, isn't it? Lava Axe is a five mana sorcery. It's five damage to target a player. But Lava Axe is an axe. It's an axe. That's why it's in this deck. Breath of Malfagor is not. It's like a burping demon or something. Yeah. It's a demon dragon. Yeah. It is pretty badass. It's a cool card. Uh, The second one is also a uh, Rakdos card from not quite as old as Alara Reborn. Uh, this one is a sorcery. It's also five mana, though. I look at me and my big mana Rakdos spells. This one is Skullrend. Skullrend deals two damage to each opponent, and then those players each discard two cards at random. Fun. That seems fun to me. This also <laughs> used to be in my really evil UD deck. Oh, I can see that, yeah. That is punishing, like two damage and two cards. And by the time you can cast a five mana, you know, a potent five mana spell, they're probably down to two cards in their hand anyway. Yeah. Or you've made them discard down to two, and here's the last two. Like, I don't know. Seems fun. I've cast Breath of Mouth Fagor a couple times. I, I really honestly feel like the only time I've been able to cast Skullrend is when I'm down to, like, one opponent. And it's like, okay, here's five mana. Like... I'd rather be doing something else. So they're hard to get to do the thing, but they're just they're they're cool. They're fun. I like crazy symmetrical or kind of symmetrical spells like this. And Rakdos is a cool color to do these sort of things in. So mm-hmm. that is it for my miscellaneous. Uh, what do you got, Dave? I also have miscellaneous because I I got the memo that miscellaneous is where we talked about Rakdos cards, it, like yeah, Terminate, it is. <laughs> Breath of Malfagor, and. Uh, Skullrend. Skullrend. Yeah. So I want to talk about uh, my my favorite and most misunderstood Rakdos car- common is called Cathari Bomber, mm-hmm. which is a three mana two two with flying, and the it's got two other abilities. First ability: when it deals combat damage to a player, create two one one goblin creature tokens and sacrifice Cathari Bomber. Okay. The best part of this ability is that those two effects are not linked. All right. I think if this card got printed right now, it would be worded when it damages a player, sacrifice it if you do create two tokens. But that's not what this says. This says when it damages a player, create two tokens and sacrifice it. So if you put this ability on the stack and then sacrifice it to something else, or flicker it, Mm -hmm. or bounce it to your hand, you still get the goblins even if you're not sacrificing it to its own ability. Oh, which I think that. is really great value. In a, in a world where we have you know fanatical offering and the altars reap and you know village rights, corrupt yeah. conviction, we have a bunch of these. Being able to sacrifice this and still get two goblins and, and draw two cards and get a map token or a treasure token or whatever else 
Reckoner's Bargain gets you life. Like, that's all super value. And it has Unearth. You can do it again. Yeah, by the way, you can do it again. Yeah, let's get more goblins. Uh-huh. Uh, this is an all-star. Like, I have a lot of Rakdos decks that love to go wide. They love tokens. They love sacrificing things. They're very aggro-flavored, like Yudi and Carter. Uh, this card is just an all-star. Mayhem Devil loves this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my Rakdos contribution. Cool. Uh, the other card I want to mention is something that I undervalued until Brownie talked me into it months and months ago and that's okay. armillary sphere all right uh i used to be not very interested in armillary sphere i was thinking if i'm gonna pay four mana for a ramp i want it to be Everflowing chalice or right uh Sisse's ring i sort of really undervalued the fact that you can pay for it in installments that you get to sacrifice an artifact and that sometimes what you you don't really want the ramp as much as you want to be able to make your land drops consistently well into the late game, mm-hmm. which is what our Millery Sphere gets you, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate Brownie letting me know. Yeah, it's a good one. It's I I don't play it. I I, I can tell you that right now. I, it's not in any of my decks, but I do like it. I need to actually try to find room for it somewhere because it is efficient. You know, it's like you said, it's not super ramp. It's not going to just dump a bunch of lands onto the table, but it's going to provide you some extra value because it's an artifact, some extra value because you're sacrificing it. But it's going to give you that consistency of knowing what's that you're that you're okay uh, financially for the next couple turns, for the next three turns, or mm-hmm. what have you. So it is very powerful. I've, I've just been kind of moving in this direction lately with a lot of my decks, where instead of running a lot of rocks to make sure that I have six mana on turn five Mm -hmm. i run a lot of lands so that i can make sure i have six mana on turn six and i can be doing impactful things on the along the the whole curve along the way yeah yep that's like i've I've, yeah go ahead no just I've, i've been yeah like having an impactful curve and just using land drops for my mana instead of trying to ramp with with rocks i've i've been enjoying this paradigm shift yeah that that is a very good way to describe how i generally brew decks like i i I do play rocks and i do if i'm playing green i do play the ramp obviously but a lot of the time when i'm putting the ramp in there whether it's extra rocks or mana dorks or a bunch of the uh into the north and nature's lore and all that crap it's usually because I know that I'm building a powerful commander and all those things are just there to pay for the commander's tax later, like to help me pay for that tax later. But from like, like you said, from turns one to six or one to seven, one to eight, I'm just sort of like on that path, like doing, trying to do impactful things on turn one, two, three, four, all the way up. And then as we get later into the game, then I can just do silly stuff or I have all the mana to do what I need to do. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm along those same lines. Absolutely. I'm not one of these, sure. like, 34 lands and 12 rocks people. Like, I have 50 sources of mana, but half of them are rocks. Like, I don't really do that sort of thing. Yeah. It's never that's, consistent that's not the for way. me. That's not a consistent plan for me. So I usually lean the other way. I'm usually, like, 36 lands, uh, four rocks, and just sort of, like, go from there. So Yeah. Whew, I think that knocks out our whole list. Knocked out our whole night. What do you think? 
think this episode is longer than I expected. Than Way I longer am. than I expected. <laughs> I'm ready to check out. I am too. Check out and get some din din. Uh, what about you, Liam? You ready to check out? Yeah, I'm ready to go whenever y'all are. All right, well, let's get that outro going. Uh, a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. As always, if you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can follow us on Instagram and on X or just the, the PDH pod on those two platforms. Uh, you can email the show, thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH home base's website. That'll take you to the Discord server. You'll find pretty much everybody in the PDH community on that server. Uh, you can find Liam and I on X slash Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron everywhere else PDH is being talked about. All the social media links and everything will be down in the show details if you want to click on those and see what's going on. Uh, and that's going to bring episode 77 of the PDH pod to a close. But we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad before we get out of here uh, for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play with those pet cards. And we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. I brought pump text at the party. Pump. I brought pump text at the party.